0: Now, introducing the man who attempted to hang his own Christmas lights last night after dropping the pending restraining order against Angie's List when Greg Rosenthal asked the company for help finding a snowblower, once again stealing all the attention away from our affable host. Women want him and men want to be him, I guess. He is Glenn Clark. Good morning. It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Uh,
1: this is always the, the maybe the most awkward day of the show during the course of the year because I recognize that much of our audience doesn't listen to the show until a little bit later on in the day. So, unfortunately, when um, you're dealing with a situation where there's a trade deadline coming up at 4 o'clock, and at any point during the course of the day, something could happen. And, and when the Orioles are involved at the trade deadline, it's the same story. Um, anything could happen between now and then. It's totally possible that when you hit play on this later on in the day, you already know what happened and and we're sort of still like reacting to what might happen it's just the nature of the beast there's nothing we can do about it it happens one or two days a year where there's something like this and um you know nothing again nothing we can do about it we can only do the show that we can do um we have already done it also happens to be that it came during the course of bye week so like we've already pulled out some of the tricks out of our sleeve like we already did our college basketball show we already did some of those things there's just no more ravens game for us to react to we can only react to what's going on so um we're gonna talk about what might happen at the deadline and if you happen to listen to this later then you can laugh at us and and say ah you dopes you had no idea what's wrong with you and you know, the answer is a lot. Like, there's a lot that's wrong with us, and that's just the way that it goes. Uh, I'm Glenn, he's Paul. It is Glenn Clark Radio, Tuesday edition of the program. Coming up in just a little bit, we will uh, make our first trip out to Minnesota for the week and uh, sort of learn a little bit about the Vikings. Old friend of ours, former Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Ron Johnson, now does TV and radio out in Minnesota. He'll tell us a little bit more about this week's opponent as the Ravens come out of the bye. Also, I know he was... um, He was really, really big on Rashad Bateman, um, obviously being a former Golden Gopher himself. So we'll talk to him about Rashad Bateman as well when he joins us here in a bit. Later on this morning, our friend Pete Gilbert's going to check in. We'll talk about what the Ravens may or may not do at the deadline today. Maybe it'll have already happened by the time we talk to Pete. Uh, Apparently, Melvin Ingram is headed to the Chiefs. I don't know that I understand that, if I'm being totally honest. Like, I—it—it— it's the type of thing that makes me think more about what the trade deadline might look like in as we go as we move forward. I I would think that the Steelers coming off the win that they had over the Browns would say to themselves, We're very much in this thing in the AFC North. And the Ravens are banged up, and they're just coming off getting their asses beat by the Bengals. There's no reason to think that they're going to run away with this. Like, if I'm the Steelers, and especially if I know this is the end of the line with Ben Roethlisberger, I might be thinking to myself, "Hey, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a go for it." So you could say Melvin Ingram's not really involved there, and all I Just it seems odd to me that the Steelers would be looking to acquire. I'm presuming a late round pick. I don't know what it is the Chiefs gave up, but I can't imagine they got, you know, the Steelers getting all that much for Melvin Ingram. Um, it just seems odd to me. And it goes back to, we used to say the NFL trade deadline was drastically different than Major League Baseball's trade deadline. And once upon a time, that was true. I mean, there there when we said it 10 years ago, it was true. But it's not been like the last like three to five years, the NFL trade deadline has been more like Major League Baseball's trade deadline, where at some point, teams have just started thinking, what is best for business for us? What is the best thing we can do to make a business decision? The Broncos yesterday decided to trade Von Miller because essentially they can buy a second-round pick out of it. Von Miller was probably worth about a third-round pick because that's what you get for him, presumably, as a compensatory pick at the end of the year. So if you're going to rent Von Miller, you're essentially giving a team the third-round pick that they would have gotten, we're thinking, it might not even be a third-round pick, so you might be giving them a little bit more than that, as a compensatory pick. But then you got to throw in another pick to get them to pick up the money. So if you're the Broncos, you could sit there and say, well, we're not out of it in the AFC by any stretch of the imagination. Like they got four wins. They're not. They're not out of it. And so it would be easy to say, why would we be trading away our players? That doesn't make any sense at all. But if you're pretty certain that this is the end of the relationship between you and Von Miller, that he's not coming back at the end of the year anyway, and you have the opportunity to acquire an extra second-round pick just by picking his money up, and we all know you don't have a quarterback, you ain't win a Super Bowl this year, it's best for business. It's but awkward for Vic Fangio who's got to look around like, hey, um, I was hoping to save my job and uh you just made the team worse this year. And they gotta be like, ah, oh, Vic, no, we believe in you. And everybody knows they're gonna fire him at the end of the year, if if not before that. But they're a five hundred team right now. They're they're in the thick of things. But you gotta make decisions that are best for business. In that way, the NFL trade deadline is much more like Major League Baseball's trade deadline than it was a decade ago. And so I don't know what to expect. Somebody would say if you can get Von Miller and it costs you two day two picks, why wouldn't you do that? Well, the answer would be because those are valuable picks, right? Like those are, those are, and all you're getting is a rental player. So to me, that's a, at first I was like, that seems like a, that's a great price for Von Miller, but more thinking about this, the circumstances, I said, no, it's a, it's a lot to give up for a few months of a player. Again, it's one thing when you're giving up one pick for a unique Ngakwe, and even if it doesn't work out, which it didn't for the Baltimore Ravens a year ago, you know you're going to get a compensatory pick anyway when, when he leaves, and so they essentially cancel each other out. Right? The, did you give up an extra round because Unique gakwa is really gonna only get you a fourth round pick? Like they don't it's not perfect the math, but essentially you're giving up a pick knowing you're gonna get a pick. So it's a minimal risk that you're taking for something that might work out. I'll never have a problem with that. Ultimately, you still have to figure out why the Unique Ngakwe thing didn't work. Did did as an organization who walked in and said we're going to acquire this player who's only a pass rusher. Will you guys use him that way? And did they say, yeah, we'll do that, and then just simply not? Or did they say, well, understand, we don't use players that way. We need complete linebackers on the field. We don't just put guys out there that are are pass rushers and nothing else. And did the front office say, well, that's what we can get, so we're doing it anyway? I mean, there's still a problem that occurred specifically in relation to what happened with Unique and Gakway. but the idea of going for it, I'll never be opposed to. And as I've kept saying, and as we talked about yesterday with a couple of our guests, I, the Ravens, to me, absolutely should try to acquire a running back. And I, I have to believe they're attempting to acquire a running back at the trade deadline. I know John Harbaugh played coy about it. That's what John Harbaugh's going to do. I mean, you, there, there, it, it is, and I hate this, because it is, you have to go ask him about it, right? Like, if he's holding a press conference, you have to ask him about the trade deadline. But there's, what is he supposed to say? He doesn't know yet what the front office is going to do. So if they don't acquire anybody today, he can't say something like, well, we desperately need a running back. These guys stink. Because he'd have to walk in two days later and say, all right, guys, let's go out and do it, despite the fact that he just said they stunk. There's nothing he can say. all he can do is say, Well, you know uh, i I like the guys we have, but uh, if they want to make a move and do something, uh, that'll be interesting to me like there's nothing he can say in those circumstances it's it's a charade it's a it's all a part of the ceremony. I get it so so what might they do? Yeah, I mean, my gut keeps coming back to running back. running back to me is the most obvious answer, and I get it. you could uh, acquiring a depth offensive lineman. The idea of acquiring a starting caliber offensive tackle is is interesting, and I'm not opposed to it. I have said a million times, I am not married to the idea that Alejandro Villanueva has to continue to be this team's starting left tackle just because he's performed better than we expected him to. That, to me, is not the standard by which He's just the guy now moving forward. If you can do better than that, I'd do better than that. John Harbaugh did give an update on Joan James yesterday because it came up and you know he did say there was a chance that he could be rem- be back in December. Okay. I-, I wouldn't be making decisions around that. That seems foolish. It could prove to be helpful. But the idea that someone could be back that hasn't played in a while could be back in December is not something I would use to say, well, this is why we don't trade for an offensive lineman. That'd be crazy. Because somebody might be back at a time by which the season might already be over? Come on. I'm not making a decision that way. But that being said... Could it ultimately prove to be helpful? Yeah, I mean, it could be. It could end up being helpful for the Ravens if Jawan James can come back and if he can play and make an impact before the year's over. That would be, you know, tremendous news. But not something that I'm altering my decision-making process on. If if you can acquire a starting caliber tackle for a reasonable price, I'm good with that. I, I we we're penciling in Ronnie Stanley and Jawan James as the starting tackles a year from now. Although Patrick McCarry at this point has to figure into that conversation too, he's just played that well. We're penciling those guys in, and so we're sort of saying we don't. This team doesn't need tackles beyond this year, but they made a mistake penciling Ronnie Stanley this year as their starting left tackle. This to me sounds like a good problem to have if it can be done. I don't think it's the priority. For this team to get a starting caliber tackle i think a depth move is what makes more sense but if it can be done at a reasonable price i'm listening and as we continue to say and as i've said a million times i i know that the way the world exists now paul once time upon a time like being right and being wrong was what mattered the most. That, that went away a long time ago. Now it's being loudest on Twitter. Like, that's, that's the way, that's the reality of society. In 2021, that's the only thing that matters. Does not matter if you're right. Does not matter if you're wrong. You just have to be the loudest on social media or get the most attention on TikTok or whatever the hell it is. That's the only thing. That, that is the new reality. We've gaslit everything. That's the new reality. And we constantly want to prove just how smart we are or make it seem like we're smart, or just be condescending because it comes off as smart or it gets attention or whatever reason. And for weeks, we'll continue to say things like, I, I cannot believe how many times over the last couple of weeks, I've seen someone who is either a, attempting to be smart or has garnered enough attention because they have a blue check mark next to their name or they become a part of Raven's Twitter or whatever it is, say something along the lines of, the Ravens don't have the money to make trades. You guys are all trying to live in fantasy land. They don't have the money to do that type of stuff. And the reason why you say something like that is because, again, you think it makes you smart. You think that you're, by being a contrarian, proving how smart you are. And instead, all you're doing is showing your ass. The, the salary cap is a fantasy, It it does exist, and you do have to make decisions based around it, but there is always something that can be done. What did the Broncos do yesterday? They traded an extra pick. By trading an extra pick, or sorry, they acquired an extra pick. By acquiring an extra pick, they said to the Rams, no problem, we'll take care of the money. You can't get Von Miller under the cap? Not an issue. We'll handle that. They bought a, a pick out of it. And if your point is, well, I don't know if the Ravens would want to do that, that's a relevant point. I don't know if they'll want to either. The Ravens don't like giving up draft picks. They value picks. I understand that. I can't tell you if the Baltimore Ravens would want to give up picks in order to take on players that would put them over the cap otherwise in order to get the other team to, to continue to take their money. I don't know if they would do that or not. That's not my point. My point is they can. There is... Always something that can be done to make these types of things happen. For the Broncos and Rams yesterday, it was an extra pick. If the Ravens are really in the market for a certain defensive player, if Kyle Fuller is the guy that they covet, and I'd be surprised by that. But again, I was surprised by Marcus Peters a couple years ago. Pleasantly surprised, of course, and it ended up being quite a nice uh, acquisition for the Ravens. If they decide that Kyle Fuller is the guy. And they look and say, boy, that money doesn't work. They might say, you guys are in love with picks. You're trying to load up. Well, how would you feel about an extra fourth rounder? You pick up the money. We get the player. It can be done. I don't know. I, again, to me, the most likely scenario is they acquire a running back. For, I've always thought Marlon Mack made a lot of sense, but that's also because he was the name that was out there uh whoever it was Vinnie Iyer yesterday throwing out Jamal Williams' name makes all the sense in the world, right? Like that's exactly the type of back. Someone who's a short-term option. James Robinson always seemed pie in the sky. If you're the Jaguars, you'd ask for a lot for James Robinson. Why would you be giving up a lot for a player that would be in the mix with two other running backs next year? That's crazy. That's crazy.
0: How about Melvin Gordon?
1: Nah, Maybe I don't. I don't see it the same way. I I don't see it. Is it impossible? Of course, it's not impossible. I don't see it. Melvin Gordon's not old by any stretch of the imagination, but in running back years, he's older, yeah. right? Like in running back years, um, he's got he's got more tread off the tire than some of these other yeah. guys that we're talking about. I think if you're going running back, you're specifically. Melvin Gordon 28, 29, something
0: in that neighborhood. Something like that. He's still productive. He had two He's touchdowns over the Nobody's weekend. Nobody's debating and that. And if you're only buying him for a year.
1: He's 28. Um, that's what, and, and, and I'm, you know, if I'm guessing what Marlon Max 26. So it's Maybe not like we're talking about that. Marlon Max twenty five, yeah. yeah. And what's Jamal Williams? He's probably twenty-six, something like that. Probably uh, about that. He's been in the league a little bit. Jamal Williams is yeah, twenty-six. So I think that they would see value in going a little bit younger mm-hmm. than Melvin Gordon. But I like Melvin Gordon. Um, Thomas Hammock's not here any longer. There was a great relationship between Melvin Gordon and Thomas Hammock when Thomas Hammock was right. Like I, Melvin Gordon called me. This is not. A, I think I've told this story before. Melvin Gordon was on our show um, in the lead up to the draft because the Ravens were in the market for a running back at that point. And then out of nowhere called me back and like kept going on about how badly he wanted to be a raven because Thomas Hammock who he had been with at Wisconsin was the Ravens running backs coach at the time oh. he was like that's where I want to be do you know he like he was trying to get me to like give him like he was trying to position himself to become a raven he so badly wanted to be a raven at that point Thomas Hammock of course left to become the uh, head coach at northern Northern Illinois at some point, so like that relationship's no longer here, of course, but Melvin Gordon, at the time, badly wanted to be a Baltimore Raven. I just think, for specifically what the Ravens are looking for, young is a big part of it. Like they, they need someone who's young. And Melvin Gordon's right on that edge. And I think that the Broncos would also believe they could get a little bit more for Melvin Gordon than what these other teams would be looking to get for a Jamal Williams or a Marlon Mack. And that just makes it less likely to me. Impossible? No. But less likely in that way. I think the Ravens are in a sweet spot with the running back market where they should be able to get someone who's not outstanding, not a, a star but is young and just does something a little bit different than the guys they have, and they can do it for a very affordable price. That's my gut. And so because of that, that's what I expect them to do. That's my expectation for how today plays out, is that one of these younger running backs, how old is Ronald Jones, by the way? Let's see, 27. 27? That sounds right. That's also his number, I believe. Oh, that might be the reason. Well, he's 24. Wow. Wow. I guess he came into the league at a younger age. I know he's only been in. So Ronald Jones would absolutely make sense in that way. And if Ronald Jones why this again goes back to I don't if I'm the Buccaneers, I don't know why I'm trading Ronald Jones. You never know when Leonard Fournette might go down. If I if I'm a team that believes I can do something, I have no idea why I'm trading players, but this goes back to what I just said about the Steelers. Like do they is it a bus, is it simply a business decision? We have the opportunity to get something for a certain player, but Ronald Jones, again, probably costs you a little bit more mm-hmm. than what Marlon Mack or Jamal Williams would cost you because he's a, a very well-thought-of player. So is that a price that you're willing to pay because you think he's the right guy? I don't know. I don't don't have that answer. But that type of back, that's what I think the Baltimore Ravens end up doing today. Will they?
0: I don't know. But are yeah. you surprised that they haven't made a move to this point? Because usually they're pretty active the week before the trade deadline in the past couple years, as the past couple years would suggest. But the fact that they haven't made a move to this point, to me, makes me wonder if anything's coming at all. Um, I disagree with that. I, I,
1: the Ngakwe thing came right at the deadline. Um, a lot of times it takes teams want to know every ounce of what the market is before they make a trade. Mm-hmm. the The Peters thing was unique because... The Rams were making a trade, and they were trying to to fudge things cap-wise in order to pull it off. That was a unique situation. Most of the time, teams want to, like by, by say, noon today, they kind of know everything. They know exactly mm-hmm. who f- how everybody feels about every situation they're in. They kind of realize at that point what's out there. Teams don't n- – negotiating it last week – Somebody could change their mind between now and today and say, you know what, I actually am in, for example, the Titans probably were not in the running back market as of last Friday. And so if the Ravens were calling these teams about running backs, about the Marlon Max of the world, about the the Jamal Williams of the world, they were probably getting back, okay, well, we'll talk to you, but we want to see who might lose a running back this weekend. And all of a sudden, the Titans find themselves in the market. And if you were only negotiating with the Ravens last week, then you probably wouldn't have been able to do as well as this week when you also have the Titans in play looking for a running back too. And I don't know who else is in the market for a running back. I, I don't pay attention to other teams off the top of my head. But you know, I, if there are other teams as well that also feel as though they need to be in the running back market because of something that happened to their guy, you, there's no reason for a team to say, let's go ahead and do a deal now. Instead of waiting to see what who else might be able to get, jump into those waters, so no, the fact that it hasn't happened yet does not make me feel any differently about whether or not it will happen.
0: Does the Titans signing Adrian Peterson take them not, out of not
1: remotely? Room? That not remotely. Yeah. I mean, th- th- if you're making plans on a guy that wasn't in the league as of two days ago being your guy moving forward, mm-hmm. you're you're insane. I mean, that's Fair. that's insanity. And again, it doesn't guarantee that the Titans will make a trade, but if if you're a team. That it'd be like to me the Jawan James situation. That's just bad business mm-hmm. to say. Well, you know, we got Adrian Peterson now, so the pr- problem solved. The f it is, it ain't solved. Now the news on Derrick Henry apparently not quite as bad as was originally thought. There is a chance that he could return this season. Um, it would be, it was six to ten weeks was sort of the the time frame that was given for that. So, you could argue, well, do they think they could get by with Jeremy McNichol and and Adrian Peterson for a few weeks? Again, that would be insane. It would be insane. But do I think that they're going out to try to trade for James Robinson or a top-end running back? No, but I absolutely think they're in the market for the next group of running backs, which is the group that we're talking about with the Baltimore Ravens. I, I don't know that James Robinson would actually be traded. I just don't understand right. what the F the Jaguars are doing. I mean, it's it makes no sense whatsoever. Um. But yeah, the Philip Lindsay's of the world, the Ronald Jones of the world, again the guys that we've been talking about, Jamal Williams, Marlon Mack. Of course, the Titans. It would be bad business for them to not be in that market, and it, nothing is guaranteed. This I, I can't guarantee these players get traded because there's always bizarro reasons why I think deals do or do not happen. But um, you know, that's that's the reality of the circumstances. I will continue to monitor it throughout the course of the day, what happens, what does not happen. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Window Nation. This is the final month. This is your last chance to take advantage of Window Nation's best offer ever. It ends at the end of this month. Two windows free with every two purchased, plus no down payment, no monthly payment, and no interest payment for two years. The cold weather's here. Natural gas prices are high. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com to find out more. Doing a think tank today. The way that I worded it, I want to know how what may or may not happen today, whatever the Ravens do or do not do at the deadline, impacts your feelings about what they're capable of doing the rest of the season. You got to think on this one a little bit. That's why we call it a Think tank. How does what the Ravens do or do, how would what the Ravens do or not do today impact your belief in what they can do the rest of the year? And I bring it up largely. One of the first responses kind of took the words right out of my mouth. And I, if you've been listening, you know how I feel about this. Rob Shields checked in and said, they need to add a legit running back that can threaten teams outside the tackles. Without doing that, I think their ceiling is limited. There is no explosiveness in the run game by the running backs. It's essentially wording the way that I, if they can't run the football, I don't think they can win a Super Bowl. Does that mean they can't get in? Does that mean they can't, you know, I, I can't say any of those things. I, my belief is that without being able to run the football, they can't win the Super Bowl. And I have seen nothing that suggests they can run the ball without acquiring a back who has some explosiveness. So Rob and I, without that, saying it the exact same way, we're almost in lockstep. I believe that the Ravens are capable of doing the rest of the year may well be determined by what happens between now and 4 p.m. today. That could sound hyperbolic, but I think that's reality. I don't think the Ravens can win a Super Bowl without a better, more sustainable run game. I think there will be a limit to what they're capable of accomplishing when they have to beat good teams. Could they still win the division? Quite possibly, possibly. The Bengals just lost to the Jets on Sunday. The Steelers don't have a quarterback. The Browns are are frauds. I mean, they could absolutely still win the division, even if they can't figure out how to run the football. Now, could somebody say, you just just don't know at some point Tyson Williams is still capable of being that guy? Maybe. As I keep telling you, I can't guarantee that he can't. And I can't live in a world where, despite the fact that the evidence is overwhelming, I just say things for the sake of saying them. I can't guarantee that, but I've seen nothing that suggests that he can. So to me, I genuinely believe there is a relationship between what happens today at the deadline and what they might do at the end of the year. Paul, what do you think the relationship is between today and what they're capable of accomplishing?
0: I don't think that whatever they do today really matters in, in the scheme of things. I, I think that they need a running back, but I think that the running back doesn't solve the issues that they have on the offensive line. I do think that the AFC is wide open, but I don't think that this team, as they're currently constructed and as they're be constructed after the trade deadline today, is Super Bowl caliber. Okay. They, they just have way too many injuries. I think things will help them. The moves they make today will help them win the division, but I don't expect anything beyond that. Okay. All right, that's interesting. I'm going to get to more
1: of your responses as the day goes on. At Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter, how does what the Ravens do or not do at the deadline today impact what you believe they're capable of doing the rest of the year. That's what we're talking about throughout the course of the day. Mobile One, full synthetic motor oil, helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube Service Center. Ask for Mobile One. When we come back in, we'll start thinking about the Vikings. Ron Johnson, former Ravens wide receiver, now with KFAN and Fox 9 out in Minnesota. He's going to chat
2: with us next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. Every seat is the best seat at M&T Bank Stadium. Don't miss a moment of Ravens football this season. Single game tickets are now available at BaltimoreRavens.com tickets.
1: The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Mike Ashley dives in on 20 seasons for Brenda Freeze as the head coach of the Maryland women's basketball team as she looks back but also looks forward. Plus, we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from every D1 program in the area, and the very first Baltimore interview with Elijah Green, the son of former Raven Eric Green, who could well be the Orioles pick with the number one spot in next year's MLB draft. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com
3: What's up, everybody? This is Ty's Bowser, and I can't wait to see you guys for the Ty's Bowser show this fall. We're going to be taking the show on the roll all over the area. You can meet me and my very special guests. If you can't make it out, you can watch the show on Live on PressBox Facebook page, or listen the next day. Find out more about where we'll be by checking out PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. We'll see you all season long for the Ty's Bowser Show. The
0: next Ty's Bowser Show is Tuesday, November 16th at Mothers in Timonium. It's brought to you by PressBox and Great Eights Memorabilia.
1: (laughs) The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is coming soon to Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover, Maryland. This is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org.
4: That first sip. That first bite.
5: every thursday 11 30 a.m the toyota tacoma comes in a wide range of models and trim
1: lines you can choose the perfect toyota to reflect your unique personality and driving habits check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new tacomas from your local toyota
5: dealer today if you miss anything don't forget that you can find whole shows later on spotify apple or amazon podcast it's glenn clark radio
1: Glory Day's Grill's Oktoberfest menu is still available with the chicken schnitzel, the Prussian pretzel rolls, the slam dunk pretzels, the brewer's sausage platter, the brewer's sausage sandwich. It's all there at your neighborhood, Glory Day's Grill. I was there on Friday. I had a Glory burger, and uh, we got the barbecue cauliflower as well to start off, the barbecue cauliflower wings. Love Glory Day's Grill. Of course, you know Glory Day's Grill. It's the best place to hang out, watch the games. Or uh, order food, bring it home for the family, glorydaysgrill.com, in order to find out more. Coming up this Sunday, the Ravens back in action as they take on the Minnesota Vikings, and that is always good news for us because it means we can catch up with an old friend of ours. He is former Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, now with KFAN Radio and Fox 9 out in Minneapolis He's our buddy, Ron Johnson, and he's back with us here on GCR. Ron, it's Glenn and Paul in Baltimore. It's always good to chat with you, man. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning.
6: No, no problem. How's it going?
1: Everything is going all right, man. Have you had any opportunity at all to uh, watch Rashad Bateman in his first couple of games with the Baltimore Ravens yet?
6: Uh, Not really. Cause they play, they play the same time we play. Yeah,
1: so I, I figured that really might be part of. I figured it. that might be part of the problem. We're really excited about. it. I know you were really excited about him when uh, the Ravens drafted him. We've really liked what we've seen so far, man. This kid looks like he can be pr- uh, pretty special.
6: Yeah, I mean Rashad, you, you got to look at what, what he's come from behind. As far as like Tyler Johnson, um, he had the the ability to watch Tyler play for a few years, and now Tyler's doing pretty well with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, and then you, you got Matt Simon, who and PJ Fleck, who've also coached Corey Davis. Um, so, you know, they, they do a good job of, of getting receivers ready. I mean, Corey Davis is probably one of the best, or not one of, he is the best receiver, I think, that to leave Western Michigan. Um, and he, you know, he was doing pretty decent in Tennessee yeah. and gotten another shot with the Jets. And so we, we just look at that pedigree of coaching, you know, PJ being a former NFL receiver as well, um, being an NFL receivers coach. Um, he's just doing a good job getting those guys ready, but Rashad from the start, I mean, he, he just showed in Minnesota that he was a special talent. He was a special kid. Um, you know, he has the big play home run strike ability, uh, for him, it's just going to be getting comfortable. You know, your, your first couple games as a rookie is always tough. You got, you know, you got a lot of question marks. The game's moving a little bit faster. The DBs are shifting a little bit quicker. Um, coverages are a little bit different. Uh, so as he as he gets more comfortable and learns his game, he's just going to get better and better.
1: All right, let's talk about the Vikings. Um, is is inconsistent the best word to describe the Minnesota Vikings as they head into Baltimore this Sunday? Say it again. Sorry. Is, is inconsistent the best possible word to use to describe the Vikings as they head towards Baltimore on Sunday?
6: Um. I don't know if the word's inconsistent. The thing with them right now, honestly, I think it's learning. The word I'm using is learning. Um, I I think, you know, hire Clint Kubiak. I I know the whole thought process was consistency and having a voice and an offense that looked the same because Kirk Cousins, you know, he had um, so many different coordinators and so many, you know, you look at the Washington Redskins and what they were going through. And then you come here and you go from Stefanski Um, And then all of a sudden now you have Kubiak and then, you know, he retires and then you have another Kubiak. And I think Zimmer was trying to get some consistency, but honestly, at the end of the day, um, consistency gets you the consistent result, which is if you're not going to the Super Bowl or the NFC championship, consistency is not going to help you. Right. Um, I think it's a mindset that was uh, that was needed, um, but it, it didn't work. Um, the other problem too, is you, you look at injury, you look at, you know, Christian Darrisaw, first round pick tackle. They thought he was going to be ready to go right away. He wasn't. So he's having to learn Wyatt Davis from Ohio state, the offensive guard. Um, they thought he would be a plug and play guard and he hasn't really um, gotten the, the specific reps, but also you look at the offensive line coach um, who had to uh, basically take a, a role as an executive uh, in the front office because he didn't want to get the COVID shot or the vaccine. And, so there's just so much that goes into that as they they were going that it just didn't work out. And then um, I think the scripted plays for Minnesota are really good. You look at the first seven minutes of every game. Kirk Cousins is the number one quarterback in the, in the NFL. You know he has a 124 passer rating, uh, almost 125 passer rating in the first seven minutes. And then after that, it just kind of not say it goes downhill. It's just it, the, the 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 innovation. Uh, the quick strike, quick strike playability, the, the the plays that are coming wide open, they're just not there. And so I don't know if it's you know Clint overthinking it. I don't know if it's trying to get the run game going. But you know the the, the way it sets up is this is a team that needs to pass to run. So they need okay. to be able to pass first and then set up the run, get guys out the box. And it's it's the reverse mentality for some reason. So many coaches get stuck in. It's like oh we got to establish the run first and then we'll be able to pass. It's, it's like no, it doesn't always work that way. You look at Tom Brady with the with the uh, Patriots and even with the Bucks, he's a pass first guy, and then he goes to the run. You know, he's not he's not running to pass; he's passing to get you out of the box. And the minute you have to put seven DBs in there because he's just absolutely murdering you, then then he starts running the ball and she Leonard Fournette get going. You see the guy, you know, back in the day when he was winning Super Bowls, um, you know, his running backs would just be not to say they were no name guys, but they weren't. Yeah, the, the Kevin football. Falks of
1: the world, right?
6: Correct. They were they were good running backs, good NFL running backs, but they weren't you know these top Mark Ingram's, you know, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cooks, Christian McCaffrey's. It was you know it was guys that were making a decent amount of money, but just understood we're here for a purpose. We're here to keep Tom Brady safe in the pocket, and then when he hands us the ball on the draw, do what we can do, and and that's where I think Minnesota is when you have Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. Uh, you had Irv Smith Jr. at one point, but then you throw in Tyler Conklin now who's doing well. Um, you you just have to figure out, like, what are we? And they're a pass-first team, but I don't think they've adopted that because Mike Zimmer is such a run-first, we're going to run-the-ball guy because my defense is so good. And, you know, I mean, to be 76% completion in the first 70 minutes or seven minutes, that's crazy. Right. You know, you look at, you know, just no sacks in the first seven minutes. I don't know if it's the way the offense or the speed of the ball, which the ball's coming out of Kirk Cousins' hands. No sacks. Um, that that's, that's, that's the key. And then all of a sudden you fast forward to the rest of the game and it just gets real monotonous and just kind of blah.
1: Interesting. Interesting to see how that plays out on Sunday. He's Ron Johnson. He's with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. And and obviously you throw in the fact that you've got Dalvin Cook and you want to establish him. Like, I completely understand all of that, but I I think the point that you're making is teams are stacking the box because of that, right? Like, they know you've got Dalvin Cook. They know that's what you want to do. You kind of have to work around that. Um, uh, Ron, how much does it hurt them losing Daniil Hunter? Um, You point out this is a good defense, but uh, how drastically different are they not having Daniil Hunter moving forward?
6: Oh, it's huge. I mean, Daniil Hunter, you look at last year when they didn't have Daniil Hunter, they didn't have Everson Griffin, um, they didn't really have a pass rush, and it was Mike Zimmer's worst defense ever. Um, you know, when you can say this is one of the worst – you know, the coach, you know, this is statistically his worst defense ever, that's big. That's huge. You know, and, and what do you attribute it to? You attribute it to no pass rush. You know, you were you were not getting pass rush. You were not getting to the quarterback – Coming into the Dallas game, they were, you know, tied first with 21 sacks. You know, last year, and this is only, what, six games in. Last year, they weren't even close to that. You know, they were re- barely getting to the quarterback, barely getting the guy off his, off his mark, and it just wasn't good. Third down defense. Last year, they were one of the worst. This year, one of the best. Um, partly because of Daniil Hunter, you know. Right. It, when, he's, when he's in there. Um, and, and I think there's only like one guy on the defensive line. I think, I forgot who it is. I don't know if Sheldon Richards or somebody, but that doesn't have at least a whole sack. You know, everybody's gotten involved. Everybody's gotten to the quarterback. Um, and, and that's the key. You look at all the guys that have had the opportunity to get to the quarterback when why? Cause Daniel Hunter, you have to look out there at him. Everson Griffin, you have to keep an eye on him. And that's what's happening is when those guys, are you know basically garnering that attention and, and teams are like, look, we got Everson out there, you got Daniel out there, we got to watch them. Guys aren't paying attention to what else is going on, and that's that interior twist where the guards and centers are picking the wrong guy, getting you know getting to the wrong spot, and the team is they're, they're taking advantage of it. I think that's that's been the big key for this defense. But Daniel Hunter being out, it's huge because now you have DJ was going to have to start Everson Griffin. Uh, has been starting, who was supposed to be a fill-in guy. Um, Now they're going to ask even more of Everson Griffin, and uh, it's it's tough. I mean, he's, like I said, he's one of the, I think he was the youngest to get to like, I forgot how many sacks, but he was like 25 in a couple days to get to like the sack record for his age. And it was, you know, all that kind of stuff. He's just, you know, and at the end of the day, he's built like, I mean, he's the guy you sent off the bus when you first get to a game, because, I mean, he's built like a Greek guy. Oh, no doubt, so that's, right,
7: yeah. That's,
6: that's the guy you get off the bus, you walk into the stadium. You know, when you get to, to Baltimore, that's the first guy you want getting off the bus before you go into the hotel, because he's, you know, 6'5", 270 pounds, and he's, you know, he does curls in the airport. I mean, his arms are just ridiculous. And, you know, and that's what he brings to the team.
1: Give me an idea of uh, our old buddy, Michael Pierce, who is one of the nicest human beings that we ever dealt with in Baltimore, man. Like, what a good dude, and we're so happy for him. I know he didn't play last year because of the uh, pandemic, but um, how's he fit in? I I know that there's the pressure that comes with signing a contract that's a little bit different than when you're, you know, a guy that had no expectations here. How's Michael Pierce handled himself getting on the field this season with the Vikings?
6: Oh, I mean, he's been he's been great. I mean, the biggest thing is he's a he's a first and second down guy, um, and then they go into their sub packages where they'll either have him stay in or they'll have Dalvin Tomlinson. Mainly, it's been Pierce a lot because he's been getting to the quarterback, um, and then from there they'll they'll you know they'll they'll stand up a uh, Sheldon Richardson or have Everson Griffin go inside and bring in another linebacker. So he's fit in perfectly. Like he's doing his job. He's you know as far as the run. Stopping ability, that was the one thing they thought they were going to add. Um, not that he's been bad, but just as a whole, you know, they were giving up 128 yards per game on the ground. And that—and that's where it gets a little, like, scary. Like, mm. man, like, this is the whole deal. But, you know, I think the points. You know, when you're only giving up 22.8, I think coming in this game now, it's going to be 23-ish, like 23.3 or something. Um, or 26, even, I think they jumped to. No, 23.3 was offense, defense is probably like 26. But they were giving up like 22 uh, points a game. So that's not bad. They give up 23 points a game. They were doing their job. They were, you know, holding the guys to field goals. Um, But, you know, I think this is mentality. Him giving up number 97, Everson Griffin, I think that was a huge nod to, you know, help his just personality as far as what the community thinks of him. Right away he came off as a team first guy. Everybody was, you know, happy to see that that was one of those like, "Hey man, how much are you gonna pay me for this?" I'm gonna hold it to you <laughs> pay me type deals because um, that that just creates a weird aura around the locker room when guys are arguing over a number, right? Yeah. Um, and he gave it up right away. He's like, "Oh no, man! If we sign Everson, you know, he can have night. That's cool. That's and, uh, you know, that was cool. That's
1: I mean, that's that's the type of dude Michael Pierce is. By the way, man, like he's just he's he's such a good dude. I can't put into words what a good dude that guy is, man. I'm I'm happy to hear that. So okay so the Ravens just got their butts kicked by the Bengals a week ago I mean they just got obliterated they have issues with tackling they can't run the football what what can the Vikings do to take advantage of a team that hasn't proven themselves capable of running the football albeit with anybody besides the quarterback who's quite good at it in Lamar Jackson they just don't they haven't been doing as much of it as in past years and that that can't tackle are the Vikings capable of abusing those things and coming in here on Sunday and beating the
6: Raven yeah, but I think the, this is the thing for the Ravens. I think what they're really good at, and people don't notice this, um, is second down. You know, as far as getting first downs on second down, explosive plays on second down, because on second down, they're averaging, you know, 6.9 yards, and their, you know, average to go is 7.5 yards. So they're doing a really good job on first down to make sure it's not any negative plays. But they're the third best team when it comes to going after the first down. Um, on uh second down and you look at arizona arizona's number one at almost 45 percent. and so what does arizona do well same type of quarterback same type of yep. guy that moves around in yep. the pocket because um, lamar is good at that when he gets outside of the pocket he's not thinking i have to throw he's like you know what if you guys give me an edge i'm gonna take it and and that's where the vikings have to do a better job of keeping him in the pocket um that that's where the Vikings struggled a little bit. Was that like keeping the quarterbacks that are mobile inside the pocket? Uh, with Kyle Murray, they did a decent job. But then as the game went on, uh, I don't know if it's their this there's, there's conditioning or what, but it seems like as the game goes on, the defense starts to wear down and just get tired. Um, versus some defenses get better as the game goes on, and and that's where you could see you know the the Lamar Jacksons where the Vikings are just going to say, you know what, we're going to keep him in the pocket. Like if we don't get to him, fine but we can't let them run around and make 17 guys miss and put us on a highlight tape uh, for the ESPYs next year. And so I think that's what they have to exploit is forcing them to, ha- forcing them to sit in the pocket and have to really just pick apart a part of defense, which he can do it, he's, he's, but normally it's when he's moving. He's really accurate and efficient when he, when he has you on your heels. When you force him to sit in there, and I think that's what the Bengals thought, like, you know what, let's force him in there and then let's make them play catch up. And that's the other thing for the Vikings. The Vikings always get out to a lead, and they do a terrible job of putting their foot on somebody's throat, whereas the Bengals did it. They, you know, they got that lead, and they forced Lamar to become a one-dimensional type quarterback, and then they said, you know, we're just going to keep our foot on the gas from here. And the Ravens never found a way to get back in that game.
1: Yeah, it would have been nice to, to tackle somebody at some point. DeMarce, it would have been really nice to have made a tackle at any point during the course of that game. It's what it is. Nothing you can do about it now. Ron Johnson, the thing you miss the most about Baltimore is what?
6: Uh, just the teammates, man. Like being being around a team, you know. As I got older, like when I first left Baltimore, I was bitter.
1: Um, yeah. You know,
6: anytime you get fired from a job, you're bitter, and so, you know, even going to the to the to the Bears, I think I had a chip on my shoulder, which probably is one of the reasons why I made the team um, as a tight end. And I just had a chip on my shoulder because I felt like I was good enough. But, you know, looking back on everything, man, like I I have to blame myself. Like I have to blame myself for like not preparing for every game, not watching film the way I should have, not, you know, not getting in the coach's ear and sitting down with them when I didn't understand certain things. Because in Minnesota, uh, our offense was real basic. Like we didn't have a ton of like the routes matter because of coverage. Like our plays just we did them. And there were like it was like a double play where one, two sets of routes were for man coverage, two sets of routes were for zone. And so the quarterback's job was to figure out what they were in, and then he would pick the guy he needed to throw to. But we didn't have a ton of routes that changed because of coverage in college. So I just never really learned man and zone until – like I look back on uh, the Giants game, I think, my third year, and I noticed the rotation of them going from two – or sorry, going from three to two – and I ran the right route, and I came off, and I remember telling Brian Biller, like, man, I saw that comment, and I ran the right route. Wow. But I thought back on that later, and he probably was like, dude, you're supposed to know that. why Why are you celebrating that you saw the coverage, and you ran the right route? You know, like, I, I just I, – I really just, you know, miss that stuff, the teammates. So, I – you know, now when I see Brian, you know, I don't have any grudges for him. He and I talked when he came up to Minnesota. They had a ring of honor ceremony for the former. I think – I don't know which team it was, but he was up here. Maybe the NFC North okay. or something that year when he was in Because, uh, like, Randall – John Randall, Brian Billick, and uh, Robert Tate, Corey Fuller, uh, all those guys were up here for that. and uh, And Robert Smith. And so – uh, being being able to see Brian then also did a, I interviewed Brian uh this year for the Vikings. We interviewed Brian just doing uh the off season type deal we do with the NFL network and different networks and uh I got a chance to do the Brian Billick interview. Uh just got lucky, you know, paper scissors rocked it, pulled That's it up cool. from my hat and I got I got Brian and so, you know, talking to him about that and talking to, you know, seeing how he viewed me as a former college player. Um, was just kind of cool to see like, you know, they don't draft you if they don't think you're going to work out. And that's what every coach goes into it thinking. Like nobody drafts somebody saying like, oh, he's going to be a bust, you know? And so to hear his thoughts on what I did in college and, you know, it, it was a good, it was a good mental break for me to hear that. And uh, so that's what I missed. I miss the teammates. I missed the guys. I missed, I missed that. But I, that's the one thing I do regret is not taking advantage. Cause now I see guys getting drafted, like even being drafted in the fourth round, like I took that as like a uh, really. And now I see guys, like, are excited to be drafted in the fourth round, you know, to get drafted, period. Yep. Um, and I, and then I look at it, I'm like, man, that, that still is a big deal to get drafted. Like, I don't know why, like, my, my mindset was just so stuck on, like, you got to be a first or second rounder. If not, like, it's not worth it. Um, and, and I don't think I took that into consideration when I went there. Like, I don't ever, you know, like, you know, being 6'3", being, you know, what I had done in college. I know they were looking for that, a guy to run the fade routes to, you know, kind of command the red zone. But I never really understood that. I never really took it as that. I never really embraced, like, a role. I just kind of was like, all right, I'm on the team. I'm getting paid. I'm here uh, making friends. And then that's the end of it. But now looking back on that, the friendships, the relationships, the locker room, the pregame, like everything, man. It's just it's an experience that only 1% of the world gets to do. And uh, I was blessed enough to be able to do it, so I'll always – appreciate it and so I and I appreciate Brian too because without some of the stuff I started learning my third year I wouldn't be able to be an analyst and I wouldn't have been able to be a coach because I I wouldn't have had that mental wow just understanding of the game um but not until my third year did I start learning that stuff where it was just like oh okay I understand you know because I remember the Tennessee Titans game it stuck in my mind I ran a shallow cross and I stopped and it was man coverage and I should have kept going it would have been a touchdown and so Little, you know, little things like that. I play it back in my head like missed opportunities. Just me not being real, you know, not understanding coverage, not understanding the route concept versus certain coverages. And, you know, it, I knew it, but I don't think I, like, studied, 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 studied to where it was burned into my head. Um, not realizing, like, man, you're only going to get about four chances a game. You know, in college, I would get ten. 10 right, college, yeah, sure. Yeah. You know, and so you had time to make mistakes and then come back and make up for it. In NFL, like, you get – Four four to five opportunities a game as a receiver, especially if you're not, you know, Jamar Chase uh, or Justin Jefferson. You know, so when you get those small opportunities, you got to take advantage of them. And that's why this year I love seeing guys like Rondell Moore with the Cardinals taking advantage of his chances. Um, You know, you look at Tyler Johnson with the uh, with the uh, Tampa Bay Bucs taking advantage of his. You look at Rashad Bateman. You know, I think he caught his first game, caught four passes, and all four were first downs. You know, so just taking advantage of opportunities. So I think. That's what I miss most about Baltimore is all of that, like that, just the team stuff, the player stuff, you know, just being there, traveling, all that.
1: That's fascinating perspective, man. That's really fascinating stuff. At three, Ron Johnson on Twitter is how you give him a follow. Of course, it's Vikings Ravens Week, so a lot of great content that way. Ron, always appreciate you, man. Thank you for taking the time for us. Uh, we'll, let's talk again real soon. All right.
6: No, appreciate it. Thank
1: you. Ron Johnson, former Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, now out in Minnesota again doing uh, media stuff, radio, TV out that way. Appreciate him hopping on with us for a few minutes this morning. Today's show also brought to you by Underdog Fantasy Football. If you missed it, um, we've upped the ante as we continue to wait to sports betting here in the state of Maryland. Yes, there's some thought that this week there could be some movement. May God, please, may there be some movement in terms of sports betting in the state of Maryland this week. But until then, you can continue to play underdog fantasy football, and for what it's worth, even if the stuff that happens... I want to make this very clear. Even if the approval comes this week, it will only be for brick and mortar. You will still not be able to bet via your phone or at home on your computer. It will only allow you to go to the approved licensed places... And place bets in person. Underdog fantasy football, you're just sitting around last night ahead of the Chiefs Giants game and you say, "Eh, Let me see some player props, see how I feel about them. Throw a couple bucks down, have some fun. You'll be able to do that no matter what. They got the traditional fantasy games, they've got things that make you feel more like you're betting. Plus, they got it for other sports. You want to do it for a World Series game tonight? You can do that. You want to do it for the NBA, the NHL? You can do that with Underdog Fantasy Football. And if you use the code PRESSBOX when you sign up, we will match your deposit up to $100. Deposit $75, we give you $75 free to play with. Deposit $69.69, we give you $69.69 free to play with. 100, 100. Simple as that. You deposit 500, we give you 100. The cap is 100. $100 free to play with, up to $100 free to play with. When you deposit, we match up to $100 when you use the code press box. Download the Underdog Fantasy app or go to underdogfantasy.com. Um, some interesting responses that have come in for our think tank question. We'll go over a few more of those when we come back in. It is a Tuesday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Glory Days Grill's popular Oktoberfest menu is back, and it features their delicious chicken schnitzel, two chicken cutlets, hand-breaded in herb panko, and pan-fried until golden brown, served with mustard cream sauce, mashed potatoes, and roasted vegetables. Their menu also includes your favorites, like the Oktoberfest Brewer's Platter, brewer Sausage Sandwich, Prussian Pretzel rolls, Slam Dunk Pretzels, and Apple Cobbler. All of these meals pair well with their many Oktoberfest beers and Angry Orchard on drag. Dine on their patios or in their dining room, or order online at glorydaysgrill.com and pick up your favorites to take home. Glory Days Grill has been proud to serve the community for the last 25 years. Thank you, fans.
2: I've driven my
7: tractor-trailer millions of miles, and I've seen it all. The next time you change lanes when driving, remember, because of the sheer weight and size of my truck... I'm not able to stop quickly if you cut me off and break suddenly. One wrong decision could change our lives forever. Trucks need room to stop. Don't cut it close.
3: Brought
4: to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation State Highway Administration. hoses. I love you more than and hoses. I love you more than bird calls, but not as much as football.
9: Celebrate your love of football with Raven Scratch-Offs from the Maryland Lottery. Win up to $100,000 instantly or second chance cash and Ravens prizes. I love
2: you more than snowballs, but not as much as
9: football. Oh. Play Raven Scratch-Offs at any Maryland Lottery retailer. Please play
2: responsibly. Once again this season, PressBox's Project Game Day is the destination at halftime and postgame for every Baltimore football game. You want to talk about the game without all the nonsense, coach speak, and fluff of your typical show? Tune into Project Game Day. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime, and he's once again joined postgame by your favorite analysts like the NFL Chick, Serena Hubbard, Ken Zalas, and more. Watch the show at facebook.com/slash PressBox Sports and listen at pressboxonline.com. Radio. Press Box's Project Game Day, every game day, presented by Glory Days Grill and Window Nation. We can't imagine why you'd want to, but you can watch GCR
5: live. It's at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports and try to guess whether these guys are wearing any pants.
1: Make the most out of every day in a Toyota RAV4 available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Power rankings are up now at PressBoxOnline.com. There, of course, is a new number one because the Cardinals suffered their first loss of the year. That's not the reason why you read power rankings, though. Who really cares about that? It's an excuse to do some shtick, have a little fun. encourage you to go check that out, PressBoxOnline.com. I uh, might get to finish this a little bit later on this morning as well. Continue to sort of monitor um i saw uh, there was a report from i want to say oh diana Rossini says that the browns will not be trading odell beckham i didn't even thought about that like uh, apparently the cleveland browns have no plans on trading odell beckham by today's trade deadline per sources i was told there haven't been any offers that would make sense for the organization this goes back into the make the bit the, the business decision thing that we're talking about Again, you look at the Browns, you'd say, well, why would you be trading away Odell Beckham? Like, that doesn't make any sense. I really didn't understand why the Rams didn't play Deshaun Jackson on Sunday. Like, that's that. I'm like, what? 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 <laughs> like, what? What? You're trying to win a Super Bowl. You say to a guy, suck it up, man. Like, I, I don't know who you think you are. You're Deshaun Jackson at the tail end of your career. Like, for God's sakes. The business decisions are made. I I don't always get it. So I hadn't really thought a lot about Odell Beckham. I get it. It's not been, it's been rough for Odell Beckham in Cleveland. It has certainly not gone the way that he thought it would go. But if you're the Browns, you're still trying to do something this season. I just don't know why you'd be looking to trade him. That that to me doesn't make sense. And yes, if I guess if the answer is well, they they aren't really looking to trade him. But if if somebody's thinking that he's still O'Dell Beckham and willing to overpay you for him, you're listening, yeah, I guess that makes sense. You're always always considering things along those lines. All right. Um, the think tank question that I asked you today. I want to know what is the relationship between what the Ravens might or might not do today at the deadline and what you think it could mean for what they're capable of doing the rest of the season? Some responses. From Paul and Lando. If the Ravens don't make a move for a running back with some juice in particular, I won't give up hope that they can make the playoffs and go on a run. However, it would feel like they would need divine intervention. No more injuries. Everyone maxes out their potential the rest of the way. No margin for error. Um, you know, I I hear what you're saying, Paul. I like I again, I can't guarantee that if the Ravens don't acquire a running back that they won't be able to do anything in the postseason, but I I feel fairly strongly about it. I just don't believe that this team, you can win a Super Bowl without being able to run the ball. Somebody would point out, well, you know, the Chiefs didn't really run the ball a lot two years ago when they won the Super Bowl. That's fair, but they ran the ball better than the Ravens do right now. And their defense was playing better. I mean, that's part of what was lost. They didn't win the, it's easy to say they won the Super Bowl alone on Patrick Mahomes. It's not entirely true. Not entirely. Yes, he was the overwhelming reason why the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, but they also got their defense to play a little bit at that point during the season. They got better as the year went on, leading into ultimately winning the Super Bowl against the 49ers. Uh, Matt Myers, Acquiring assets on the offensive line or acquiring a playmaker on defense would impact my expectations. I believe this is already a playoff team. Offensive line and defensive playmaking make the team a Super Bowl contender, in my opinion. Running back still doesn't move the needle for me in terms of priority. I cannot fathom that. I've heard that from somebody else, too. I think it was Andrew Stecko who was going on about that. I don't get that thought process. I, don't, I can't imagine what you've seen from this group of running backs that makes you think that even adding an offensive lineman would get something more from these players. I just don't know what it is that you're seeing. As we talked about with Bo Smolka, when these guys are getting to the outside, when they're getting to somewhere where there's space, where it's no longer about whether or not there's blocking in front of them, they're not doing anything with it. So the notion that you say, well, you get better blocking they can do more with it, well, what about in the situations where it's not about the blocking? What are you seeing from these guys on the outside that makes you think they have something to offer? The answer for me is nothing. I'm seeing nothing from this group of running backs that makes me believe that there is some next level that any of them can get to or that if you just improve the blocking a little bit, you get better performance. Now, as I said before, specifically if you're going to be without Patrick McCarry for a little while, I'm, I am nervous that even if you do go get a running back with a burst that you're not going to have a great rush offense because you're going to be limited by what your offensive line can do. But I've just seen nothing, nothing at all from this group of running backs that says to me that adding another offensive lineman solves your problem. Like, they have not shown me that that's the difference right now and whether or not they can be a dynamic run group. From John and Little Rock, there is no guarantee that if you trade for a running back, it will get them to the Super Bowl. There's certainly no guarantee of that. The offensive line is more of an issue for them. My thoughts on the team's success don't hinge on the deadline today. I'm not willing to deal away any draft picks from the first three rounds well i mean i it would depend on what it is that we're talking about. I'm certainly not dealing away any first three round picks for Marlon Mack. I'm not doing it for Jamal Williams. I'm not doing it for Philip Lindsay. If there is a player that we're not taught if that we're not thinking of that could be had an inside linebacker type, an accept- I don't even know who that guy is, but if there is some exceptional inside linebacker that's available for a third-round pick and fits in the way of the Ravens, then I'm talking about it. I'll never say I can't trade one of those guys. It's a little bit different, I think, because in every year before this year, the conversation at the trade deadline in Baltimore always seemed to sur- surround the wide receiver position. And this is the first year where we're saying that's not the problem. We're not, I saw somebody out there saying the Ravens should be the ones trading for Allen Robinson. Why? Like, why in the world would you be the team trading for Allen Robinson at this point? What what, what am I missing? And it's not because I think the Ravens have the most perfect group of wide receivers ever constructed. It's because I think the group of wide receivers they have is good enough to win a Super Bowl with if they can get a run game going. They got to get a run game going. Somehow, some way if you can find a you know a left guard that is a rock star for years to come and it costs you a second or a third round pick I'm doing it. I'm never ruling out trading away a pick for a it just depends on who the player is I'm I'm befuddled by the dismissal of running back I'm befuddled by anyone by you know the, the, the running back doesn't move the needle for me or uh uh, I, I just, I'll never get that. I, I don't understand. I think it's because we're conditioned to believe that you don't do that in the NFL. You, you hear people say things like, well, see what the Browns did with Dearness Johnson. Because they had Dearness Johnson. They didn't just invent him, they didn't pull Dearness Johnson off the street. He had been there for years, just stuck behind Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Who I don't know if you've heard are pretty freaking good. The Ravens don't have someone stuck behind Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. They have crap at running back, they have nothing. Tyson Williams is not there to Ernest Johnson. If he was, he would have been on the field. This thing we do where we're just utterly dismissive of a running back and say, well, you never, ever put any assets in running back because you can just find someone. You have to find them. The Ravens haven't found a running back. They've tried. They've brought in four different guys this season. None of them have worked. So you can keep, well, just pick the next guy up off the scrap heap. Just try Nate McCray. Sure, I'm all for it. Try it. Or try to go get an actual running back, which, again, I'm I'm openly willing. It, of course, does not guarantee you anything. It does not guarantee you anything if you trade for Marlon Mack or if you trade for Jamal Williams today. It guarantees you nothing. Does it improve your chances? I think so. Is that enough to be willing to do it, especially because it doesn't appear to cost you all that much? F yes! Yes! I can't fathom looking at this roster and saying, yeah, I don't think running back's that much of a need. It's a screaming need. It is a giant, glaring need. They don't have one. What am I missing? What are you seeing that running back isn't a problem for this team? I'll never get that. I, I just, it blows my mind from um from nick kelly i believe they have the draft capital particularly in the fourth round to make a move without a better offensive line and or running back i think this team is at best a playoff contender but not a true super bowl contender i mean that's basically how i feel i mean that's i mean i i I feel it more specific to the running back thing than the offensive line like i'm i i think that they would they would do well to also try to bring in a veteran offensive lineman or somebody that can, you know, give them some depth, but that alone, that adding that guy without another running back to me does not does not change my feelings about that. Um, for Matt, I think they'll make a minor trade to improve the running game, but other than that, I think they'll write out. Well, I'm not asking you to make a prediction, Matt. <laughs> I don't, we don't do that. That's that's a wacky dumb radio thing. Yeah, what do you think the Ravens are going to do? I have no idea. It's How is what they're going to do? Again, the question is very specific. and I, I know that you're conditioned to dumb questions from radio because you've listened to radio for a long time, and that's just what they do. Who do you think's going to win the game on Sunday? Who the F cares? Um, we don't do that. We try to share a little bit more thought. Um, the, the league isn't that strong this year. They're hoping to get healthy and hot before the playoffs. Well, I have no idea if that's what they're hoping to do. And, and of course, you don't either. I'm asking you how will your feelings about what they're capable of doing be impacted by what they do or do not do at the deadline that's that's where i am um from john proctor if i think if you get anything it's got to be in order o-line running back defensive help we can still challenge her division title without it i think it's a much safer bet with one of the three just get to the postseason and go from there um, and from Cy, if they don't shore up the running game, either with a running back or a tackle, it will hurt their Super Bowl chances. Continue to get me your responses at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. That's the way to check in. What is your thought on what it is? That, how will what the Ravens do or don't do today impact your belief in what they can do this season? That's it's a very simple question. How, it's, maybe it's not as simple as... It, it does require a slight amount of thought how will what the ravens do or do not do today impact what you think and i'm again i use my barometer if they don't acquire a running back i am hard pressed to believe that they can win the super bowl if they do i can't guarantee you that they will or i'm not going to suddenly tell you that the super bowl favorites if they do i think it presents a chance that running back still has to work out with this team right like you still have to I liked Yannick Ngakwe when they made the Yannick Ngakwe move a year ago. It didn't work. Even if they acquire a running back, I can't tell you that's going to work. If Philip Lindsay's a Raven tomorrow, I can't guarantee that it ended up being the right fit or the right guy or that he won't get hurt in three weeks. But I will feel better about their chances because I will feel better about their chances of establishing a run game. And if I feel better about their chances of establishing a run game, then I'm going to feel better about their chances of, like, the defense playing better, things along those lines. Today's show, also brought to you by Great Eights Memorabilia. We are doing the next Tyus Bowser show on Tuesday, November 16th, so two weeks from tonight at Mother's in Timonium. We want you to come join us, but more importantly than that, we want you to help us take a, take care of those who need it Um, this holiday season in our community as great eights memorabilia has partnered up with harvest of hope and they're asking you to bring out that night to the Tyus Bowser show some gift cards to wise markets to giants or the giants so that they can go out and get um, some thanksgiving uh, food items trimmings to help give thanksgiving meals to the people that need it most this holiday season so think about that if you don't mind i'd appreciate that Go to GreatEightsMemorabilia.com in order to find out more. They're also doing a signing next week with Deshaun Elliott, and it's the same deal. Um, So you can find out the details about that there. Again, GreatEightsMemorabilia.com. Find out more about the Tyus Bowser Show by going to PressBoxOnline.com slash Bowser. We just announced that on the 23rd, so three weeks from tonight, we're going to be at Alonzo's. So we're going to be in the city. I love Alonzo's. Man, it's a great hangout. It's just down the street from here. Can't wait to be there for the Tyus Bowser Show on the 23rd. So find out more about the Tyus Bowser Show, pressboxonline.com slash bowser. When we come back in, we will chat with our buddy Pete Gilbert from WBAL, get his thoughts on how the deadline might impact what we believe the Ravens are capable of doing. That's next. It's Glenn Clark Radio. The all-new FanDuel Sportsbook is coming soon to Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Maryland, this is your chance to win big right in your own backyard. Bet on every sport with self-service kiosks and watch all of the action from the best seat in the house. Make every moment more at the all-new FanDuel Sportsbook at Live Casino and Hotel in Hanover. Please play responsibly. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit mdgamblinghelp.org.
2: Need to hone your computer skills to boost your career? Or maybe you want an IT Certification. CCBC Continuing Education has the courses and programs you need for a career in the computer field. And it's all tuition-free. From the basics to specialized training, we have the classes you need from hardware to programming to cybersecurity and so much more. It's your choice. It's your career. Call 443 443- 840 or visit ccbcmd.edu slash computer training all good things come to an end which is the case with window nation's
1: best offer ever you can still get two free windows with every two purchased plus no down payment no monthly payment and no interest payments for two years but hurry because this stellar deal ends this month cold weather is here natural gas prices are the highest they've been in years and wasting energy with old, inefficient windows will cost you a fortune. Get two free windows with every two you buy. Plus, pay nothing for two full years. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you.
4: That first sip. (sighs) I love you more than self poses I love you more than spraying hoses I love you more than bird calls But not as much as football
9: Celebrate your love of football with Raven Scratch-Offs from the Maryland Lottery Win up to $100,000 instantly or second chance cash and Ravens prizes I love
2: you more than snowballs But not as much as football
9: Play Raven Scratch-Offs at any Maryland Lottery retailer Please play responsibly The offseason is upon us, but baseball
1: never sleeps. Hi, I'm Zach Goodman. And you can find me on the Batteron with host Paul Valley every Saturday from ten AM to noon. We've got the best local coverage on every trade and signing, plus every update on the new CBA negotiations. You can watch us live at Facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports or listen at Pressboxonline.com
5: slash radio. That's the batter out every Saturday from ten AM to noon for the best in offseason baseball coverage. Stay tuned, your chance to win a million dollars is coming up. Probably not from us. You're listening to Glenn Clark Radio.
1: Back in here on GCR. If you missed it last night, Stan the Fan and Ross Grimsley caught up with former Oriole skipper Dave Tremblay. That show's available right now. Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports or go to PressBoxOnline.com slash video and you can watch it there. Been a while. Too long, in fact. He is a friend, Pete Gilbert, and he's back with us now here on GCR. What's going on, buddy? How are you? How are you?
8: I'm good. Glad. Look, I'll be honest though. The fact that you still include me on your guest list, when I see the quality of guests that you have on a daily basis, it's an honor.
1: Well, you're the we led with you today. That was you were the the one seat on the list, man. Are you kidding me? No. We were able to get the 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 superstar that is the great Pete Gilbert, man. <laughs> I can only imagine. I I can't believe you still come slumming with us. I I got to be honest. I thought that maybe at some point you'd say, "Hey, look, man just just lose my number." And like that's the way that would go. Not it's, a chance. It's, it's great to chat with you, pal. I'm asking a question, then. I want to get your thoughts on it, all right? Mm-hmm. The question that I'm asking everybody, today, and I'm getting a lot of great responses. How will what the Ravens do or do not do today impact what you believe they're capable of doing the rest of the season?
8: Well, I guess if I knew what they were going to do, I could answer that better. <laughs> um, the, you know, if you, you know, again, if you are able to get a dynamic running back, that could be pretty impactful. If you're able to, you know, collect a, you know, an impactful offensive lineman, okay. Um, if you're able to get maybe an inside linebacker, okay. But otherwise, you know, I just, the likelihood, I just think because of their constraints cap-wise and, you know, kind of, I think where they are in that, the, the idea that they're going to get a truly impactful player today, Feels unlikely.
1: Okay, it feels I, unlikely at I, this point. I'd, I'd certainly, I would be surprised if they did something like what the Rams did yesterday, where they said, "Hey, you guys take on the money, we'll give you another draft pick." I, I, it's just not the way the Ravens have typically done business. So I would, I too would be surprised by that. But I, the way that I've, I've stated it, Pete, like I, at the moment, I think it's a good football team. I think they can be a good football team. I think they can compete in the division. I am really hard-pressed to believe that this team can win a Super Bowl without being able to run the ball with their running backs. And when I look at this group, I, I just I have seen nothing that says to me that there is something coming that is going to allow them to run the ball with this group of running backs. And so, like, I, I, I don't know that if they acquired a running back they'd be able to go win a Super Bowl because it's really hard to win a Super Bowl, right? Like, they had really good running backs a year ago, and they didn't win a Super Bowl. But I think it might be more possible because I think they'd have a chance of getting a run game going, whereas I am really hard-pressed to figure out how this group of guys is going to suddenly make them have a dynamic run game at some point. It's...
8: Yeah, I, you know, it's fine. Like, the only one of them that feels like really possible in that regard to me is Devontae Freeman. Despite Latavius Murray obviously getting to the end zone, uh, quite I, more frequently than I expected, he does not have a burst. That's Abundantly clear. Le'Veon Bell is—I can't believe he's still on the roster. Right? Yeah. Like, what? What Um, is? Because he's just shown nothing. And Tyson Williams, while clearly the best in terms of just pure burst right now, is they have deemed untrustworthy. So, you know, Freeman has shown some burst. Has shown the ability to catch the ball, ability to do more things than any of the others. Um, And I, you know, if you're gonna, you know, if you're gonna run the ball, him doing it fifteen to twenty times might be enough. Given with what they're able to do in the past game as well, so I would I would I would offer that caveat. You know, I mean, you know, is Marlon Mack um, a more dynamic possibility there? Okay, yep, I think he probably is.
1: Yeah, I think so too. Um,
8: and so that might that might change things as well. But yeah, they definitely need to have a you know a a, a little better balance than what we've seen. But what the biggest thing I've become convinced of, Glenn, in watching this season, is that man, there is no great team, certainly not in the AFC. They just, they're just in on any, any week you line up and you you know, the team that you think is really good can look like crap. I I utterly agree with that.
1: Utterly agree. I just still, I think in order to take advantage of that, you still have to, to me, it's, it's the, it's not just about like being able to run the ball. It's that this defense has not been as good without you being able to, to, I don't even in a weekend or not as top heavy AFC. And I still think the bills are a really good football team. I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm actually starting to get a little bit nervous about the Patriots, right? Like that they look mm-hmm. like they're figuring things out. I still look at that and say, I don't think you can take advantage of that without being able to to grind games out in the second half and without being able to enforce your will and I, I again, I don't think they're going to look like the run offense of two years ago or last year, but I don't even think they can be a good run offense with this group of guys that they have.
8: You know, it's it's funny, and I, I don't disagree necessarily with any of that. It's funny, though, when you go back and look at the last two years, and they say, you know, you get to you get to November and December, and you're like, well, this ground game's great, but when the right, yeah. push comes to shove, you've got to be able to throw the ball. Right. Well, now they can throw the ball – well, when push comes up, you've got to be able to run the ball I'm' it's,
1: it's but, but I funny, think the huh? point is that like you have to be able to have some sort of balance like I think that's you really gotta what both. we're saying you've got to be able to do both of these things, and we to your point a hundred percent there is no debate or question anymore about the what if they have to win a shootout in the playoffs well, we know they can win yeah we know they can do that. The question yeah. becomes what if they have to go on the road in bad weather in Buffalo next year and win a game where they have to in in, in January and win a game where they have to control right. possession and that's the one right now where I would say i I don't know that I think they can do that. Like I don't Right. I, and then
8: or conversely stop it defensively. Um, right. And that's, you know, of of real concern. And again, I think maybe even more, you know, I less off you know, less concern offensively, more defensively in the, the the wildly inconsistent play that we've seen from a group that is a full of veterans, you know, I mean, you got obviously some young guys out there, but by and large, I mean, this is a veteran group and it's veteran guys that are just not tackling and it's veteran guys that are taking bad angles and not doing the fundamental things. And, you know, you can go, you know, macro on that and talk about the, you know, practice time and the way they approach right. getting ready for the game and all that, but it doesn't matter. You know, the, the and, bottom and it's line no different than not, any other
1: team, right? Like it's not like right, any other team not, has has exactly. more practice time. Yeah.
8: They're not at any disadvantage to anyone else in regards to that. So, you know, you've you've got to find you. Know, it doesn't matter. You got to find a way to make it better, and um, you know, and it'll be very curious to see out of this bye week if there is a real um, noticeable difference, uh, certainly defensively in the way that they are, you know, getting guys to the ground, as as Harbaugh put it simply. You know, you just as he said, until we get guys to the ground more consistently, we, we won't even be a mediocre defense.
1: Well, yeah, um, Tackling specifically, no question. I mean, it's, it's unreal. Pete, Pete Gilbert from WBL is with us here on Glenn Clark Radio. Pete, I, I know what you just alluded to, though, is weirdly why I'm not as panicked. I know this is going to be strange. I'm not panicked about the defense. I mm-hmm. think if you could run the ball a little bit more and get them off the field a little bit more, this is a veteran group. And if they didn't have to be asked to do so much, I think they could play just well enough. I don't know that... I I certainly don't think they're going to be the 2,000 Ravens, but I think they could play well enough because of what you just pointed out. These are veterans. These are guys that know what they're doing. Um, I I think that would help that. It would go a long way just to solve running the ball a little bit and having them off the field a little bit more as the games go on.
8: Yeah, and I... I agree. I, I'm I'm puzzled though. Just, you know, when you talk about you know these the, the veteran guys will figure it out. Um, I you know I think of Marlon Humphrey in particular. I'm kind of like we're he's not figuring it yeah, out. Yeah, you're right. Which is weirdly this year. And I'm like, what? What? Why is that? Um, you know, there are, there are guys getting pushed around up front that you don't expect to get pushed around up front. Calais Campbell excluded. I think he's been fantastic yep. this year. He's I been quite he's consistent. Been, yes. You know, but you can't. But He's what thirty six. He can't play enough to be as impactful as you would like him to be, right? So they need to get more elsewhere. That and you know, hey, you know, Jalen Ferguson, you're back. Maybe you know, they they say you're, you know, can be a real tough edge setter, and you got Ah. something to prove.
1: I hear you. I I don't
8: know. I right? hear you, Pete. Now, I,
1: I it's just hard now a
8: veteran, right? Um,
1: hard to have confidence yeah. in that. Hard to have any confidence yeah. at all in that being the case. No, I get it. And look, I, so, you know, we talked yesterday for a little while. I don't think we're talking enough or openly enough about just how damaging it is to a team that a first round pick from a year ago isn't even going to be on the field for fifty percent of your snaps, like that. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not trying to throw too much shade in the way of Patrick Queen. Because there's plenty of time for him to still become the player that he was supposed to be. But I don't think that everyone... I, this is the biggest thing that got lost to me in the aftermath of the Joe Flacco contract is when everybody around the country was like, well, the Joe Flacco contract ruined the Ravens. And I'm like, what What, what are you looking at? Their drafting <laughs> ruined that era of the Ravens. The drafting was horrendous. It got them Matt Elam. Matt Elam, Elam Arthur Brown. Yes, correct. And Terrence Brooks and... They, they, so on and so forth. That wrecked the Ravens, was missing on their draft picks. Adafe always looked great. Rashad Bateman's looked great. I'm not trying to suggest that Eric Costa can't draft. I want to make that very clear. But um, having a first-round pick from a year ago that you won't even put on the field for 50% of the team's defensive snaps because you think he's that much of a liability, I, I, I don't care if he grades well. When you for the,
8: drafted him to wear the green dot. Right!
1: Like, that's yeah. damning for a football team to be in that spot, or for that side of the yeah. ball to be in that spot.
8: It's... It is, and that's where, you know, the, it's not just the, you know, the, that it's a guy who
3: you know, you've had to make
8: a change of starter. He's the guy that you obviously invested in so heavily, you know, with, with that capital, to take, to take him where you did and to see, you know, clearly a regression and, and maybe confusion. And, and, and I was talking with Keith Mills about this, too, is that sometimes, like, you know, Wink, maybe – just be a little less complicated. Mm. Um, maybe make it a little more simple for some guy and let them, you know, do the fundamentals well and make, and make sure you guys, you know, can, are freed up mentally to go make plays. And maybe that's and I'm and, and thinking that, but it's just, if it's so complicated that the that queen is just doesn't look like he knows where to go or what to do. Maybe that's somewhat of an indictment on the coaching staff too.
1: No, you might you might be right about that, Pete. You might very well be right about it. It's still it's still it's it's a problem one way or the other. Right? Like what, however I also you got there. Say, yeah.
8: I feel like in this conversation, you know, it's all just. I, mean, I know they're five and two. I really I I know so you're right. It's I know you're right. They're five
1: and two. They're five it's and
8: two. First place. Yep. First place. It, AFC North. They are. You know, we're we're watching. They have anytime they got eight lining up on their side, they can go win a game. And so I don't, you know. It, it's not unre- obviously to look at these things, and if you're trying to talk about how what's the path to winning a championship, it's great. But I don't think I don't think the conversation should solely I, be about that. I, I think as fans, a lot of people get t- get lost and hung up on only that result, rather than enjoying the fact that man, this these first seven games have been wildly entertaining have been as as exciting and dramatic as you know. A stretch as you can recall, especially if you take the Bengals game out of it, right? I mean, it's it's unbelievable what we've seen so far and what that potential may be going down the stretch. So I don't think it, you know, I don't think it's fair to just focus only what? on. Well, if you don't get a championship, you know, <sighs> what's the? It, it didn't matter. It was worthless.
1: Right. I. It, that's tough. Pete Gilbert is with us. this. is an interesting conversation that you just brought up. Pete, I, I like this. Um, I I hear everything you're just saying, and I wrote a column about this. Right. Like it is remarkable. It is a testament. Mostly to Lamar Jackson, if we're being honest, but additionally to John Harbaugh and to the organization that they've been—they're five and two. They are this team, despite the fact they've dealt with what eighteen, eighteen now injuries. Like, I mean, it's—it's it's insane, but it's still largely about Lamar Jackson, if we're being honest, right? Like, they're five and two if if it's anybody but Lamar Jackson I don't know that they're two and five right like that, that's right, how
8: there's a handful of quarterbacks there's a handful across the league who maybe you could say okay
1: maybe right we could, yeah.
8: you know, you know you look at what you know I mean Aaron Rodgers did last week correct with you know with no receivers yep. with the offensive linemen on IR defensive guys, I mean all across the board same kind of situation and he's leading them to another... But, like, but there's, that's there's the group that we're talking three, about. Three or four guys. Yeah, I don't know right.
1: that Justin Herbert could do that. And we think that Justin I, Herbert is... I feel
4: confident he could not. Yes,
1: <laughs> and we think that Justin Herbert is one of the higher-end quarterbacks in the NFL. And I don't think that he could be right. doing this. It's, it's a testament to Lamar Jackson. But what you bring up is fascinating because you're not wrong at the same time. They are a bit of victims of their own success, right? Like, the, the reality is... That these, its good to win football games. It's fun. It, it sure as f beats being in Washington today, or being in Detroit, or being in any of these places. But this is the standard, right? Like they—this is what they want the standard to be. The standard is, yeah, it's good to win football games, but we want to win Super Bowls. We want to win championships, and that's the prism by which we have all of these conversations. Is you—you—you I, I, you, you can't ignore that—that that is the standard that exists in Baltimore.
8: No, and I think that it's very important for the team to be focused, and that is their goal. Yep. That's what they are there to do. What I'm saying as a fan, just, you know, don't get so hung up on whether or not, you know, they, they ultimately are hoisting a trophy at the end of the year, man. And this it, it's right. Because you, you just don't – you can't take it for granted. Look what happened to Jameis Winston. The other, you know, and, just, and, and a revenge game, that he's dying to go and win. Boom, out for the year. That could happen at any moment, Right enjoy watching this man play the game in a way that is truly unique and special and sure. And as long as you believe the team is trying to do everything they can to figure out how to hoist that Lombardi and just, you know, don't, don't get so yourself so hung up on that. That's how I just view what, you know, would make being your, being a fan more fun. I get it. I, 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 I get to it. This post game right. show. And I hear fans after wins calling and complaining. And I'm like, man, I, well, look, we are spoiled there, your...
1: and and some of it is nonsense. I agree with it. Some of it is complete and utter nonsense. So when people want to fire the coach after you know, I mean, get the f out of here with that. But and, and yes, in Baltimore, we're spoiled Pete. But I I think that's the idea, right? Like I think that that's what this organization wants is for it to be that way every year. That the, the goal and the standard to be um, winning a Super Bowl. I I think that's that's the sign of a great organization, obviously. And it's, sure, it's you want to would... put
8: out a team that you believe every yep. year you're you are fighting to do that. And I, and I and again. If I thought that they weren't, oh yeah, I think you'd, have, yeah you'd have a real issue, yep. but they are. They're clearly doing. No, it. They no. they spare no expense. They they, they, they have, the staff is massive. They've adjusted to you know they, you know what what we're going to analytics with this. Let's figure it out. Yep. You know, and they have their own. They the largest analytics department in the NFL. It's yep. like look, no question. This, they're doing everything they can to try and figure out how to win a damn Super Bowl. And you know, it, if I thought that they were, you know, as you mentioned, the team down the road. You know, where they're they're more focused with just trying to avoid scandal, right? Or well, pivoting
1: from one then, scandal yeah. to the next. Yes.
8: Yeah, I mean, yeah. Then, well, that's then that's no way to be. Um, so I just think I think it is you get you don't see the forest for the trees here, lots of times. And I say you, I say fans. I think that it's and no, I felt it was a you, it, man, it just, I
1: felt it was a personal attack, and I have a lot of things that I'm going to say. I'm going when we finish this call, well, I'm going to start tweeting some things to Dash <laughs> about you because of the things that you've said here um and, and I, I have no doubt yeah so we actually do that typically on on tuesdays anyway it's normally a session that we have <laughs> hey uh what's uh what's in your world what's what's coming up uh what kind of coverage you doing like what other stories are you telling what's what's going on in pete gilbert's life you know it's
8: it, during football season it really is um it, it is so raven centric I, I i wish that honestly we had maybe some more resources to do some other stories Um, a little more right now. It's kind of, we are, we're a little hamstrung in that regard, but that's, you know, what I get to do Sunday nights um, and do to co-host a show with Keith Mills as we get as much time as we want, basically to do, to do a Ravens and NFL show, you know, that we, I mean, it's late at night. I mean, it's, you know, we don't, we didn't start till 1220 the other night, Um, but it, it just, it, I am so fortunate. <laughs> it's like, man, they pay me to do this. I get it. And we get total control over it. We get to do whatever the hell we want with it. And we don't even have an off time, Glenn. We can, you know, if, if we going to make it, it's supposed to be 30 minutes. If it's 40 minutes, it's 40 minutes, you know? Um, and that I am so fortunate. And I hope, you know, I do, we do put an awful lot of work into it. Our, our producer, Joe Paparato, um, me, Jim Forner, our you know, great, great photographer and editor and Keith, and we, you know, we, we put this together and it's just, it's something that I'm so proud of and, and so enjoy. I, I wish it would rerun. Honestly, we air, cause it air so damn late, but the numbers are still good. And so I know people are watching. And I love getting uh, responses about it, but you know, to be able to do that during football season, it is, a, it's a real privilege. And uh, so I, I'm thankful for that.
1: I, I, too, have watched that show and came across as saying, I'm surprised they pay Pete for doing this. So that's that's interesting that we've, we've had that similar <laughs> uh, feeling. My favorite person. That's, that's right. Hey, um, and that's Ravens rap, right, on Sunday nights after the news. Um, after Sunday night football. Check, or yeah, after the game, yep, yeah, check that out. Uh, of course, you can follow him on Twitter, at wblpete as well. Always appreciate you, my friend. Let's talk again. Let's not wait uh, so long. Let's talk again soon, all right? It's... You got it, Glenn, anytime. Thanks, buddy. Pete Gilbert, WBAL, checking in with us here on GCR, one of my favorites. Love Pete Gilbert. Good dude. All right, when we come back in, um, are we chatting with Jonas? Is that what we're doing next? Is that what's going on? I don't even know. Yeah, yes, yes. We're, okay. we're calling him at 1140. All right. Jonas Schaefer from the Baltimore Sun, Ravens beat writer. We'll get some of the same thoughts from him as we continue to play the waiting game today as to what the Ravens may or may not do at the deadline. I, d- I don't know, but we'll find out. Today's show also brought to you by Mobile One. Mobile One full synthetic motor oil helps extend engine life. Visit your local Jiffy Lube service center. Ask for Mobile One. It's Glenn Clark Radio.
3: What's up, everybody? This is Ty's Bowser, and I can't wait to see you guys for the Ty's Bowser show this fall. We're going to be taking the show on the road all over the area. You can meet me and my very special guests. If you can't make it out, you can watch the show on live on PressBox Facebook page or listen the next day. Find out more about where we'll be by checking out PressBoxOnline.com Bowser. We'll see you all season long for the Ty's Bowser show.
0: The next Ty's Bowser show is Tuesday, November 16th at Mother's Intimonium. It's brought to you by PressBox and Great Eights Memorabilia. All good things come to an end, which is the case with Window Nation's best offer ever. You can still get
1: two free windows with every two purchased, plus no down payment, no monthly payment, and no interest payments for two years. But hurry, because this stellar deal ends this month. Cold weather is here, natural gas prices are the highest they've been in years, and wasting energy with old, inefficient windows will cost you a fortune. Get two free windows with every two you buy, plus pay nothing. Thing for two full years. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. Tell them Glenn Clark sent you. I
4: love you more than rock and roll. I love you more than a swimming hole. I love you more than pinball. But not as much as football.
9: Celebrate your love of football with Ravens scratch-offs from the Maryland Lottery. Win up to $100,000 instantly or second chance cash and Ravens prizes. I
4: love you more than golf balls. But not
9: as much as football. Play Raven Scratch-Offs at any Maryland Lottery retailer.
2: Please play responsibly. Every seat is the best seat at M&T Bank Stadium. Don't miss a moment of Ravens football this season. Single game tickets are now available at BaltimoreRavens.com slash tickets.
7: I love driving my tractor-trailer, and just like you, I just want to make it to my destination safely. If you drive too closely to my truck, I can't see you, and you can't see what's in front of me. If I have to brake suddenly, our lives can be changed forever. If a truck stops quickly, can you?
9: Don't tailgate trucks.
4: Brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation State Highway Administration.
9: The latest edition of
4: Press Box is available now.
1: On the cover, Mike Ashley dives in on 20 seasons for Brenda Freeze as the head coach of the Maryland women's basketball team as she looks back, but also looks forward. Plus, we introduce you to men's and women's college basketball players from every D1 program in the area, and the very first Baltimore interview with Elijah Green, the son of former Raven Eric Green, who could well be the Orioles pick with the number one spot in next year's MLB draft. Press Box is available for free at over 500 areas locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens,
5: and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com You've got questions. They've got answers. Sure. I mean, we'll go with that. It's Glenn and Paul on Glenn Clark Radio.
1: I'd like to think we have a couple of answers. That's Ken Zales, Of course, he'll be back with us on Thursday for the PressBox Fantasy Football Show. I don't know if he can save my team at this point. It is an unmitigated disaster. Calvin Ridley in basically every league. Justin Herbert's my quarterback in every league. And all of a sudden he sucks again, which makes Ken think that he was right all along. I I just don't know what's going on, man. Like, I I got a lot of problems. I got a lot of problems. Hopefully Ken can solve some of them. We'll deal with that on the Press Box Fantasy Football Show this Thursday and every Thursday at 1130 a.m. It's brought to you by CCBC Glory Days Grill and the Maryland Department of Transportation. The Press Box Fantasy Football Show, same locations: Facebook.com/slash PressBoxSports or PressBoxOnline.com/slash Radio. Um, what's your gut tell you about uh, tonight and whether or not the Braves will close it out now in Game Six, going back to Houston?
0: Um, Houston kind of went for it on. <coughs> excuse me. Houston kind of went for it no, on Sunday. To. They had no choice. Right. Yeah. I think. Th- I don't. They have to go another bullpen game today. I think it's going to be the, the the Braves are throwing Ian Anderson if I'm correct. Nah, freed. freed, freed, yeah, that's they yeah. right. They're throwing freed tonight. He's been bad this postseason, um, but he's still one of the best pitchers in the National League. One of the best young pitchers in all of baseball. I think he's going to bounce back tonight. I think the Braves close it out tonight.
1: I don't know how long Garcia's on on how many how many when when did Garcia pitch? He's turned around on. Is he on three days? Is that where? we're Yeah,
0: he's on three days rest. I believe he just pitched on Saturday. That's
1: tough. it's tough. And so yes, you have to think there's a limit for how much they can get out of them. I you know, it it to me is a it's a total question of whether or not their bats can replicate what it is they did the other day with two outs, like with two outs if they can come away with big hits.
0: They can beat anybody, and they've done that all off all postseason. Correct. Something well, until like 15 in, runs.
1: until the the couple of games before that, right? Like, and all of a sudden their bats went quiet. If if they can get back to doing that, I you know they can beat anybody because they can just keep scoring and scoring and scoring. I mean, I, I think a lot of people assumed, um, when Duvall hit the grand slam on Sunday night that the series was over. I the, did the Braves I did. I, and it's really funny because I uh, oh it's the senator our senator a friend uh, Justin Reedy, who's a huge Braves fan as well as an Alabama fan. I don't even know the story on that. But he's a massive Braves fan, ha- always has been. And as soon as Duvall hit the grand slam, like, he said something. I saw a tweet that he sent that was something like, with what they have to do pitching-wise, I know, don't celebrate too much. This ain't over. And, it's a fair point. Th- and he and said they, they need to score more runs. Like, it's the four is not going to end it. And I think a lot of people across the country just sort of assumed and, you know, flipped over to football, said, I'm I'm good. I don't need to watch the rest of the game. Um it's obviously good for Major League Baseball that the series didn't end lat- that night. It it's just not I I know that it doesn't really matter if the final game of your season gets you know your ass kicked in the ratings like cuz it's still baseball and the people that love baseball will always love baseball. But you just rather have the season end on a night where the entire country is watching. Yeah. And so it's good for baseball that the series didn't end on whatever happens now, you know, whether it goes to 7 or not, at least it didn't end on a night where you know, you were getting your ass kicked ratings wise. Yeah,
0: it, it can't end on the night now because it, they—it's today or tomorrow. Yep, it can't correct. end on the night where the, where the NFL is taking yep, yep. taking precedence.
1: One hundred percent. So yep, game six tonight of the World Series. Talk more about that in a second when we get to what, totally tubular. From Dave, Dave says, Glenn, what do you think about the idea of the rate? T- we've talked about Kyle Fuller, Dave. We have. We talked about it with a couple of our guests yesterday. I just—I talked about it at the beginning of the show. In fact, where have you been, Dave? Um, I just don't think it's practical. I don't think the Ravens are the type of team that is going to pay the difference for a player to acquire a player. The Ravens, I don't think, are the team that's going to do what the, the Rams did yesterday and say, you know, in order to make this work cap-wise, we'll give you an extra draft pick. I don't think the Ravens are that team. Now, if there might be a unique player that's out there that we're not thinking of that maybe they would do that for, I don't think Kyle Fuller is the player that they would do that for. I would be very surprised if that were the case does that mean they're not going to look at the cornerbacks no i think they're looking at, i think they're looking wherever they can look let's talk more about it now uh, our next guest covers the baltimore ravens of course for the baltimore sun he is jonas Schaefer, and he's back with us here on gcr jonas what's going on pal how are you I'm doing all right,
7: Glenn. How about yourself?
1: I'm all right. I'm excited for another season of Maryland basketball, having uh, crazy expectations, and then being quite mediocre by the time they get to the end of the year. I've got a lot to look forward to in that way. So um, that's Nobody the, quite like Mark Turgeon in your life, huh? He joins us tomorrow morning, Jonas, and it's always a fun conversation. When it's, <laughs> how's it going to be different? Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll move forward. Um, the question that I'm asking everybody today, and I'll ask it a different way because obviously you're not – I'm not asking – I've been asking this of Ravens fans, and, and I'm going to ask it more for you from uh, an analytical, I don't know, look, a, a perspective. The difference in what the Ravens are capable of doing this season based on what they do or do not do today is what?
7: Um, I don't know. It's such a tough question. I mean, I guess I would say pretty negligible. Um You know, just because I don't think they will have either an appetite to send, you know, a significant amount of draft capital for a player on a rookie contract. And also, I just don't see, you know, anyone that they could get possibly at tackle maybe or at running back barring potentially landing someone like, you know, uh, uh, the the tackle out of the the Jets. Um,
1: Morgan Morgan, Moses. Moses, yeah.
7: Yeah, um, being that much of an upgrade over what the Rams have. <clears throat> I mean, you know, the, the running back situation isn't great. I, I think uh, they need to find someone to take Le'Veon Bell's snaps. Um, we, we don't know how long Patrick McCartney is going to be out for, but obviously, you know, you can at least hold down the fort. A little bit with Tyree Phillips there, who should be better in Week 9 than he was in Week 7 as he works back from, you know, that knee injury that had knocked him out in Week 1. So, um, obviously, it is just a matter of margin of error right now, uh, as, as you move forward to the playoffs. But I think if you're talking about the Super Bowl aspirations and having everyone potentially healthy back for that, I just don't know if there is a difference maker among the group that we thought that you know Yanni Ngakwe might have been when they acquired him last year.
0: Hey Jonas, it's Paul Valley. How much of a difference maker? Is Nick Boyle going to be for this run game and for this passing game? We saw that Eric Tomlinson got um, sent to the practice He got released and signed to the practice squad. How much of a difference does Nick Boyle make for this team moving forward?
6: That is
7: a great question because it's one I've kind of wondered myself. You know, he obviously did not have a training camp really to, to speak of um, when they brought him back uh, early in the season off IR. He did not look good, he was pretty hobbled. Um, a few times we've gotten a chance to see him at practice. He's had that brace on, which isn't, you know, prohibitive for, for good players. I mean, you see big hulking offensive linemen wear it every time. Um, I think he's going to help their their running game. I'm not as convinced about their passing game. You know, he's a good kind of check down option. You know, the Ravens do a lot of stuff where, where you have tight ends <clears throat> excuse me, kind of leaking out into the flat as a a way to you know, make space for uh, other receivers on intermediate and deep passing routes. So you want to have that kind of three level, fun uh, foundations you're passing. game, I think he's a good option. Maybe a better one than Patrick Picard at this point, who's, um, you know, limited receiving output has been kind of surprised considering how productive he was toward the end of last season. But if, if we are talking about full strength, uh, run blocking extraordinaire, Nick Boyle, um, and, and we pair him with... Uh, you know Patrick Card, then you are talking about two really impressive guys who can do a lot. Um, we haven't seen a whole lot of those arc blocks the Ravens like to have, where Nick Boyle you know runs out in space on, on the read option, you know like he did so often in 2019 to free Lamar on those kind of outside runs. The Ravens just really haven't run a whole lot of them uh, to start with this year. I'm not sure if that's because of fear concerning with Lamar or just you know that's the way the defenses have played them. But you know Nick Boyle is one of the best in the business at doing that. So. I think he is definitely going to be a boost for their run game, at least for the multiplicity and for the ways in which they can run it. I just don't know, you know, how much of a tell him being on the field will be for defense where it comes when it comes to keeping them
1: honest, uh, you know, as a as a receiver as well. He's Jonas Schaefer, covers the Baltimore Ravens, the Baltimore Sun. He's with us here on GCR. Jonas, I'm in a weird place because when I when I say the next sentence, somebody might hear it and say, what you're saying the Ravens, if they just go get the, uh, you know, Marlon Mack or Jamal Williams, they're gonna win the Super Bowl, and it's definitely not what I'm saying. I I, I am in a spot though, where I do think I, I I am so down on the idea that this team, as constructed, can win a Super Bowl without being able to run the football with their running backs. And I just don't see anything from this group of running backs that makes me think that's coming at some point like it's it's not just the blocking even when they're out in space i just don't see anything from this group of backs that makes me say they can get any of these guys can get more going as the year goes on whereas if you brought someone <laughs> in who could and i i don't know that that one of these low-end guys that we're talking about is that guy but it's certainly something that i think would be worth giving a shot to um I, I, I do think that just being able to run the ball even a little bit could help the balance of your offense could help keep the defense off the field so much and maybe help improve the defense as the year goes on. like there's this weird I, I can't I can't see the future, believe it or not i, I know I, I can't I don't know what the lottery numbers are going to be, but i I just feel like they could be aided almost significantly just by finding anybody who could run the ball and be dynamic in some sort of way.
7: yeah. I mean, you know, if you are going to blue sky, this, I guess just the hope is that Tyson Williams looks more like the guy he did in week one week two. <laughs> because When he's out there in space, he has a gear that no one else on this running back group does. I mean, you know, even when he's running uh, running into holes or yeah. gas that he probably shouldn't, he, he has a, a gear that this offense lacks. I mean, uh, you know, when you look at the analytics, which I kind of did for this piece on just, you know, 22 stats that have defined this Ravens season, yep. which is up now. Um, Devontae Freeman's actually been the most efficient in terms of rushing yards over expectation, which, you know, is this kind of esoteric stat that uses machine learning to basically suss out where defenses are and how many yards running back should gain against them. So he's been, I, I think, encouraging after what looked like a kind of disappointing start. You know, he's been able to juke some people out of their shoes and get some nice yards. I'm having been super use as, uh, as a receiver. Uh, Latavius Murray has been fine. I think he's you know, right around expectation. High Williams, some millions, I think, after the past couple of disappointing weeks, but now I think under expectation. And then getting, not to beat a dead horse, but Le'Veon Bell uh, is, I think, the only running back in the NFL who is two yards under expectation, oh, good. which is just yeah. kind of mind-blowing. <laughs> you know, it, it, the expectations for him, uh, if you look at the, the you know machine models, is 4.4 yards per carry, uh, you know, which is kind of unbelievable, considering... What we've seen from him and his actual output, of course, is two point three. So, um, you know, obviously, that's not going to be the case for every run. Some of the runs he's going to overperform, some of the runs he's going to underperform. But on the has, he has just been a, a massive, massive disappointment in terms of running the ball on the few carries that he's had. So, um, you know, I, I agree with you. I don't know if Marlon Max—the answer. He's another guy who's been pretty disappointing. Jamal Williams, just looking at it right now, is a little bit under expectation. Um, I think it is just a matter of you know, putting faith in Lamar and Greg Roman and this offensive line to have, a, you know, a couple of good games in a row where they're finally all on the same page and it can do what we all thought they could. Uh, but uh, I agree that without Dobbins, without Edwards, uh, it is definitely a different looking group. And there's not as much confidence there on third and short or second and five or whatever those those obvious kind of run spots. be come to expect for so long.
1: in Baltimore. So when I read, um, the piece uh, on, on the stats, I I admittedly did not know, and I don't know why I haven't noticed how, how bad the third and fourth down thing has been offensively. I, 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 you know, it's funny because I feel like in some years that's, it's glaring to me when there's a problem, but I, that has not stood out to me as much. And it might be because, you know, they haven't found themselves as many of those situations, like that they have actually been really good on second down, for example, this year, like, I, I did not realize how bad they've been on third and fourth down this season.
7: Yeah, and I mean, it's easy to get lost in the the sauceos so space because if, if you go back to that Colts game, I mean, they they, they didn't go to third down uh, because they were just you know every single first or second down was a, was they were moving the sticks, so they right. never really got into a situation where they had to uh, be up against it on third and long or third short or whatever. Um, you know, it's been interesting to. to See the Ravens, especially I think in that game against Cincinnati, um, you know, where, where teams have the Ravens in a situation where they know they're going to pass, be a little bit more aggressive in coming after Lamar. Um, you know, they they really did kind of Ravens-esque stuff in that week seven game where they put six guys in the last scrimmage, and they might have only blitzed four, but they were bluffing with two more, and that kind of confused the Ravens line, their protection and responsibilities and everything. But, yeah, I mean, Lamar, I think the, the stat I had there was passer rating on first and second down is over 100 and on third down it's 55 and that doesn't even account for the sacks I and mean, his sack rate on third down has just skyrocketed relative to what it is on those early downs so um you know he, he's a guy who in the past you've been able to trust to put out there um, in empty formations and spread formations and, and uh, trust him to make magic uh and he's still capable of it, obviously but so far it has been a surprising struggle for him that
1: offense and then, can I ask you to try to explain the the Brandon Williams numbers and the disparity <laughs> between these two things, where where one number would make you think he's having one of the worst seasons in the NFL, and another number would make you say, no, he's he's actually exactly what the Ravens need Brandon Williams to be, and, and you guys are freaking out too much. How, how, how can we possibly explain these two things?
7: Yeah, you know, I guess it's just duty is an eye of the beholder, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the PFF is the one that they have those uh, human evaluations of what he's doing or not doing. And ESPN is is more based on player tracking data and just where he is relative to the the guys who are blocking him. Um, And and it's easy, you know, even kind of on a a macro level to, to see why you know he could be so valuable because I think the Ravens are still, despite what they showed against Cincinnati, one of the better run defending teams in the NFL uh, with Derek Wolf coming back, they should probably be even better. But then you look at just, you know, on the film level, how many times he's been put on his butt on, you know, zone runs or on double teams or, or whatever. And it's really disappointing. Uh, I mean, you know, he, he's a guy that they're paying a lot of money to. He's a guy that they could have parted ways with uh, this offseason for, you know, not an insignificant cost, but maybe look to, to go younger or get someone cheaper who's maybe not as accomplished, uh, maybe not as as you know, physically big or as opposing as Brandon Williams. So, uh, you know, they're going to need him when they basically uh, Cleveland because Cleveland, if Baker Mayfield can't throw the ball, uh, they're going to see what Cincinnati did and just try to run all over the Ravens. And Nicolas Campbell has been done a good job just in Matt Hayes good for a couple splash plays. But if you don't have that spine of the defense uh, solidified with not only Brandon Williams as nose tackle, but also Josh Bynes or Patrick Green as linebacker, then you're going to be...
1: It does seem like it would help if some of the guys behind him were making a few more tackles. Um, it seems like, yeah. and I know you, you brought up Deshaun Elliott in the piece, but like it just seems like that, to me, still stands out as like the single biggest problem. And, and I tie it in with like being on the field a lot, and it would benef, benefit them to not be on the field quite as much if the Ravens could run the ball a little bit. But no matter how much they're on the field, they've got to make a tackle every now and then.
7: Yeah, and, it's, and some of the guys that you would say probably are the most physical on the team We're missing those tackles, you know, Marlon Humphrey could probably be doing a, a better job, uh, or at least minimizing his risk, you know, not trying to go for a punch in the middle of the field. Obviously that led him to, you know, getting a, a, a piggyback ride for about 20 yards yep. in, that, in that game against Denver, uh, where he, he got a little bit aggressive. Uh, Deshaun Elliott, I think he probably, you know, the victim of circumstance in some cases, like I, I don't think there are a lot of safeties who would have made that open field tackle against, with Uzoma on that on that second touchdown catch where he was basically left to dry in the middle of the field after four guys <laughs> decided to go defend Tyler Boyd on it?
2: Yeah,
1: the yeah, it didn't well, lo- didn't look so good on film by <laughs> That was one you know, of the rough that, room
7: ones. And you know he he is supposed to be the enforcer. Um, you know he's he's a guy who who everyone loves when he makes a big hit, but he, you know I'd much rather have a guy who who makes uh, you know the solid hit on on two or three tackles than makes the big hit on just one of the three and the other two go sprinting by him. So the Ravens have some stuff to figure out. I mean, Kavon Young with his size is never going to be a great tackler. Uh, you know, Patrick Queen, obviously it's two years in a row now where he's had some issues, Josh Bynes, even though he's a super athletic high IQ guy is obviously a fair age and uh, you kind of worry about him wearing down over the course of the season. So I- I'm obviously way more worried about the back seven for the Ravens and their tackling. Uh, than the front four, um, the Ravens in terms of you know, limiting yards after contact on, on runs have done a pretty good job this year, uh, especially relative to the last year. So it is just a matter of you know getting these guys back in the gym, back in the lab, and and teaching them what to do and how to attack certain guys the field. Because if they don't get that figured out, uh, you know that
1: yards after contact, you know, yards after catch number is just going to continue to climb. And it's already the worst. Game, so. eh, other than that, though, other than that though, how was the play? It was <laughs> it was really hopefully Other than all that. Uh, and again, as, as we were just talking about with their buddy Pete Gilbert, despite all of this, they're a 5-2 and two football team, and yeah. they have everything in front of them, and I, to me, Jonas, the story is, that's, that's Lamar Jackson. That's the nature of when you have that echelon of a player, you can be dealing with these types of problems and still somehow figure out a way to be 5-2. and two.
7: Right, right. I mean, I, I was just kind of joking with my editor last night, we're, we're three uh, good games away from Lamar three bad games from Patrick Holmes away from people earnestly wondering whether you'd rather start a franchise with Lamar Jackson instead of Patrick Holmes. I mean, you know, the uh, storyline changed quickly in this league. Uh, so um, yeah, as long as you have Lamar, you should have at least a pretty good running game. Uh, we've seen that in bits, pieces here and there. And then, you know, this passing game, obviously you're talking about adding Nick Boyle, whether that's uh, whether he's mainly going to help as a pass protector, um, or maybe he helps you out as a receiver as well, you know, kind of helping out Mark Andrews. And then, obviously, the, the long-awaited reunion of Sammy Watkins and Rashad Bateman and, and Hollywood Brown and Devin Duvernay and whoever can help out in that, uh, in, that in that receiver group. So, um, you know, this is the most help that Lamar's ever had at wide receiver, and it's the least help he's ever had at running back. Right. Like, right. A, a pretty pretty nice uh, you know, measuring stick kind of season for him in terms of what he can do and where he can do this offense. And, obviously, there at the offensive line, which is probably maybe the, the most solid it's ever been up the middle, Um since that twenty nineteen or you know, since the early parts of that twenty nineteen season, you know, obviously they don't have a yawned up front, but Kevin's ever done a pretty bang up job. But obviously the tackle situation outline is is probably as, as worse as it's ever been since he has been
1: here. Right, right, especially without Patrick McCarry now moving forward. That's that is a that's a tough spot. All right. At Jonas underscore Schaefer is how you follow him on Twitter. Uh, Of course, it will be a big day or a busy day, no matter what the Ravens do. There will be a lot of noise, so make sure that you are following Jonas there and and getting all the updates and all the information. Jonas, appreciate you, pal. Thank you for taking the couple minutes for us this morning. Let's do it again soon, all right? Of course, Glenn. Good luck tomorrow, man. Thanks, bud. (laughs) Thank you. Jonas Schaefer. He knows. Jonas knows. He understands. It's the way it goes um today's show also brought to you by the baltimore ravens every seat is the best seat at mt bank stadium don't miss a moment of ravens football this season single game tickets are now available at baltimore slash tickets um I, I you know i'm i'm we're, we're four hours away now as as the crow flies from the nfl trade deadline and not a lot that's happened so far today so i believe i mean unless i'm missing something it's still just melvin ingram that has been dealt to this point. Um I I'm gonna guess that there's gonna be a few more things that happen and whether or not it's just like waiting on one domino to fall in order for others to start falling. Like somebody's gotta make a move and once the market's been set for a certain position, then other things happen. We'll see. We will see how that goes over the course of the next couple hours. But as of the moment, still not a lot happening on the um the trade front around the NFL. But we'll be out. there'll be plenty of time tomorrow to react to whatever the Ravens do or do not do, and that's what we will do then. Of course, Project Game Day returns this Sunday. Be myself and the NFL chicks, Sarita Hubbard, post game. I'll be with you at halftime. Facebook.com/slash/pressboxsports for both shows. Post game show, pressboxonline.com/slash/radio as well. All brought to you by our friends at Window Nation, also Glory Days Grill and Underdog Fantasy Football. Tidbit brought to you today by Window Nation. They're coming to the end. They have offered you this unbelievable deal. And why you haven't taken advantage of it yet, I don't know, but this is it. This is your last chance to take advantage of the best offer Window Nation has ever had. Two windows free with every two you buy. And as I've told you, that goes on forever. There is no limit. You buy eight, you get eight. You buy 12, you get 12. You buy 24, you get 24. Keep going forever. Plus... No down payment, no monthly payments, and no interest payments. Not a single red cent for two full years. It's insane that they have kept this offer up. The cold weather's here. Natural gas prices are high. Got to start thinking about whether or not it's time. And even if it's approaching time, do it now because this is your last chance 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com in order to find out more. Paul, what you got for us?
0: All right. Yesterday, Adrian Peterson, age 36, <coughs> excuse me, signed with the Tennessee Titans after was reported Derek Henry would need first foot surgery, sideline knee, all-pro running back, likely for the rest of the season. Peterson is already in the record books for an age-defying feat. He registered the fourth most rushing yards in a single season by a running back aged 33 or older when he rushed for 1042 yards in 2018 with the Washington Redskins. Mm, how about that? Yeah. So here's your trivia. If Adrian Peterson rushes for 500 yards this season, he will become just the fourth running back/fullback in history to rush for that many yards at the age of 36 or older. Who are the other 3? It's been accomplished 5 times, two players did. It how 20. many how many yards? 500 yards.
1: 500 yards at the age of 36 or older. Mm -hmm.
0: It's been accomplished five times by three players. I'm assuming Frank Gore. Frank Gore is on there twice. He did it in 2020 at the age of 37, ran for 653 yards, and he did it in 2019 at the age of 36, ran for 599 yards. Emmitt Smith? Emmitt Smith just missed the Uh, list. um, He was 35 his last season. How about,
1: how about, um, Walter Payton? Nope. How about
0: Marcus Allen? Marcus Allen did it twice. Yeah. He did it in 1996 at the age of 36. He ran for 830 yards. And in uh, 1997, the age of 37, he ran for 505. I mean, people
1: yards. forget how good he still was when he showed up in Kansas City. I, th- I think a lot of people like lump him in with Joe Montana and yeah. how done Joe Montana was by the time he got to Kansas City. Man, Marcus Allen still had a lot left. He,
0: he ran for Kansas like 20 City. touchdowns those two years combined. Yeah,
1: I mean that was that was a. I this was predates the Ravens' existence. I w- decided I was going to be a Kansas City Chiefs guy because they got Joe Montana and Marcus Allen. I'm like it was. When you're a kid, it's like watching a video game. You know, like I'm like watching Madden football on my TV. Te- I get Joe Montana and Marcus Allen playing together. It's like the most exciting thing that could have ever happened. They didn't do anything. <laughs> they won nothing, and then we got a team in Baltimore, so I had a team to root for moving forward. Um, one guy left. One guy left. Curtis Martin.
0: No. Curtis Martin's so interesting to me. He didn't even like football. He just played it because he was good at it. He was
1: really good at it. He was really good at it. Uh,
0: 35.
1: 35. Well, it certainly wasn't Barry Sanders. How about... Uh, how about... Oh, man. ha! ah
0: how far back?
1: Ernest Byner, I remember. Be- no. no. All right. How far back am
0: I going? Eighties. Eighties. John Riggins. John Riggins. John. Really? Riggins, oh, that's really the answer. John Riggins. Oh, how about that. In nineteen eighty-five, at the age of it's just thirty-six.
1: Gentlemen, just the first eighties running back that I thought
0: of. He. He. At. at in 1985, the age of 36, he ran for 677 yards. I did not know that. He also has the most rushing yards for any running back 33 or older. I think he had back-to-back seasons of 34 and 35 over 1,000 yards. Dude
1: was a beast, man. Like, he's crazy, but like that dude, could, when he would run, he ran, man. Like He put his head down, and he was a nightmare to oh, have to go a up monster. against him. What a monster John Riggins was. <laughs> All right, very good. Uh, tidbit was also brought to you today by the print issue of PressBox, which is available right now at your neighborhood Royal Farms. They have hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox or read it all, pressboxonline.com. That's Brenda Fries. She's on the cover. She's going into her 20th season as the head coach of the Maryland Women's Basketball Program. It's a great read from Mike Ashley kind of mm-hmm. looking back but also looking forward as they have big expectations once again, top five team in the country. Maryland women this year, there is no reason to think that the, it's just time to reflect on the past. They have a lot they're looking to do moving forward with the Maryland women. So great story from Mike Ashley about Brenda Fries. Go pick it up today for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox or read it at Pressboxonline.com. Tubular brought to you by Great Eights Memorabilia. Of course, the Tyus Bowser show returns two nights from or two weeks from tonight. We will be at Mothers in Timonium and we're helping out Harvest a Hope. Please come out, hang out with Tyus and his special guest. might be special guests, by the way. We're still working on that right now. Um, and uh, bring some gift cards to Wise, to Giant, so we can take care of those who need it this Thanksgiving season by getting them hooked up with their uh, Thanksgiving uh, trimmings and turkeys, things along those lines. Find out more at great Go to pressboxonline.com slash bowser to find out more about the Tyus Bowser show. Here's what's coming up tonight, totally tubular-wise. As we mentioned, World Series, Game 6. The Braves try again to close it out. Paul Valley thinks they will. We'll find out. They got Max Fried on the mound against Luis Garcia and the Astros, 8 o'clock on Fox. Um, Boy, what else? TNT, Heat Mavericks, 730. Pelican Suns at 10. Some college football, CBS Sports Network, Ball State and Akron at 7, ESPN2, Eastern Michigan and Toledo at 7.30, and U, Miami, Ohio, and Ohio at 7.30. Big night for Maction tonight. Uh, ESPN Plus and Hulu for the Devils and Ducks at 10, the Sabres and Sharks at 10.30. I just realized like ESPN was making a big deal about how they, they had hockey back. They're only airing like 18 games or something like that. They're putting them all on ESPN Plus. Mm-hmm. Like Hockey's not really back on ESPN. Like They just... Like announced that hockey was back on ESPN. Unless you're gonna pay for it, they're gonna air a handful of games, then you can you know watch them on ESPN Plus. And I'm pretty sure there are already hockey games on ESPN Plus before this new deal. I think it's just a look, man. I I guess they're doing more coverage like on Sports Center than they were doing in the past. So like it's probably good for the NHL that they're doing that. But it's it is a weird bit. I I thought it meant like every week there would be hockey games on ESPN. Like I thought it, like I don't even know what ESPN is airing tonight. I could not tell you what is on the ESPN network tonight. But they ain't airing college basketball it doesn't start till next week and i did think that was one of the problems is like espn has such an inventory of college basketball that i didn't really know like where they were going to find the nights to air hockey games because they have so much college basketball there but they, college basketball starts a week from the night there's no reason why they couldn't air hockey tonight and they're not doing it i mean maybe it's because they figured they'd get their ass kicked in the ratings by the world series yeah. but they also didn't know if there was going to be a world series game tonight it's a very weird bit very very weird bit uh, USA Network tonight for WWE NXT at eight. Some non-sports highlights.
0: Well, before we do that, did you see Ahiri Adrianza uh, is going on paternity leave and he's missing the last two games of the World Series for the Braves? You're a dad. Would you, if you were Ahiri? Wait, Adrianza? wait. Who, who? Oh, okay. Ahiri Adrianza. Um, stand the fans a big a big. Fan yeah, of I, I do know that. Um, um, would you if you were in his position, would you have missed the last two games of the World Series to go? On I,
1: this is a hot takey thing that I don't care for. I, my Fair answer enough. is always going to be whatever your you think is right is the correct answer. As far as me, um, I would never have missed the birth of a child. I I I don't care what the circumstances are. I would never have missed the birth of a child. Now that being said, like I, my first son was born during that weird period of time, um, where I the radio station had just gone under. And I hadn't started this show. Oh no, I just started this show. Like literally, just started it. Mm-hmm. So the radio station went under in August. We found out we we found out we were pregnant in on Memorial Day. Radio station goes under in August. I get my ducks in a row for what I'm gonna do next. And then our son was born in February of 2015. And I vividly remember because one, I took a job at 99.1 down in DC kind of like right after the radio station went under, um, doing updates for them and for 106.7 in D.C. I was I was the sports guy for 99.1, and I was doing updates on 106.7. And I, I loved everybody down there. It was a great job, and there was the thought that, like, I might decide that was what I wanted to do moving forward is just, just do that. I'm glad I didn't make that decision because 99.1 went under as well a couple years ago, a couple years later. Um, but I remember... Once I started the show, I didn't give up that yet because I was still sort of deciding exactly what I wanted to do. So I was doing the show in the morning then I was going down to D.C. later in the day and like doing afternoons, nights in D.C. and then coming back here and doing the show in the morning. And so I said I'm taking a couple days off from the show when my kid was born. I think my kid was born on a Thursday And I was like, I'm taking a couple days off from the show. I'll be back next week, no problem, because we're just getting the thing launched. I didn't want to take too much time off. And I did say that if I was scheduled, like we I think we we were late. And so like I kept asking people down in DC, like, hey, could you pick up my shift if this is the day that my kid was born? Like I had it covered. But I was scheduled to work, I want to say Friday night in DC. And I worked that shift. Because It was important for me to be there for my kid to be born. Like, I would never miss that. I don't Mm -hmm. care. Super Bowl, whatever. Um, um, Ed Dixon was someone I was very close with when he was in Baltimore. And he was in a very difficult spot because the first night of his NFL career was the year the Ravens played the Jets on a Monday night to open the season. It was the first game at um, at the stadium in New York. And it was the same day that his kid was perhaps going to be born. And he had this really difficult decision to make, and he was like, "It's my NFL debut. Like, I'm, nothing's guaranteed to me. I was a third round pick. I gotta play. Like, I gotta go do it." And it was like he literally, like they didn't, they wouldn't even name the kid until he could go see the kid. He was like, "We're not. I have to see his face before I can give him a name." And I remember talking to him a lot about that and being like, "I, I couldn't." Now again, it's much different. That job paid Ed Dixon far more than you know a lot of jobs that I have would pay me. Like taking the day off from the show is a different thing. I would never, ever, ever, I don't care what the circumstances are, I would have to be there when my kid was born. I, Super Bowl, World Series, you know, the, whatever it was, I have to be there when my kid's born.
0: I'm with you, although- I happened I'm, to Joe I'm... Flacco,
1: too. Not the first one. Mm-hmm. Like, the second one, he wasn't there for the actual birth, because it was a Sunday. It was literally a game day, and so he played the game, and then he went back for it. I couldn't do that.
0: See, I thought you were going to tell me that you had to make a choice when you were, like, the. The man on the practice squad, of the legion of boom defense. Ah, yeah, in tw- in right. 2014. Yeah, correct. And, I did have that. Play, had a great run. I had a
1: great run for. Me. No, I, I, that, I am. I will. I will be eternally glad that I was there for both. And again, I, I can't. Their decisions are their decisions. I'm not. I didn't fault Ed for the decision that he made. I don't fault Joe for the decision that he made. Like, if, if you think everybody's own decision is their decision, I couldn't have being there. The moment my kid arrived in the world, way too important to me. I could not have missed that. Now, somebody would say, sometimes it's out of your control, right? Like, the kid comes early. You don't know the kid's coming early. You're out. This happens to people all the time. You're away on a road trip or something like that. It's three weeks before the due date. There's, like, no fear that you're going to miss anything. I I vividly remember with the second kid. Um, there were a few of us that were all having kids at the same time that we were all friends with and a buddy of ours Mr. Gatsby was like let's go out before everybody's kids come let's go out and have a guys day out on the boat like because I know the summer looks like it's going to be crappy for everybody Mm -hmm. and we went out it was the wrong day to go out it was way too cold it was like raining it was just a bad day for a a party boat day right like Mm -hmm. the boat literally got stuck on the way back in and like we had to get it towed it was a whole and I kept thinking to myself like, this is when I'm going to get the call. Like, this right. is inevitably the moment that we're stuck on this boat in the middle of the water is definitely going to be when I get the call that she's going into labor. Like, that's the way that's going to happen. And then you're not going to be able to control it. So sometimes you do everything you can, you do it all the right way, and you still miss it, right? right. Like, it's still going to happen. But I couldn't have made that decision. I don't fault for making the decision at all. Like, I, you know, if, if the kid is born tonight and there's a game tomorrow, like, I would definitely, at that point, me personally, Glenn Clark, be like, okay, I was here for the birth, as long as we've got family that can help out, and that was also part of the benefit, like, when I went and worked the next night, is, like, my sister, and her mom, and my mom were all available to help out, because I do get that it's very difficult for someone who just gave birth, and, like, you need a strong support system around you in those first few days, so... We were fortunate in that way. We have a lot of family here. I don't know what his situation is with, with them and their family, but if you've got that, if you do have a support system in place and the kid comes today, I would probably say, I'm going to try to hop back on a plane and get back for Game 7 tomorrow night if I possibly can. That would be a good thing, but I don't knock anybody for those decisions. Yeah,
0: cer- certainly interesting. I'd like to say that if I were in that situation, I'd be there for my job. But I'm, l- fortunately and unfortunately, I've never been in a situation where I have to play in the World Series. Yes, and- correct.
1: It is a far different thing. And I, and, But I think that there's this like um, very... Very, like, dude mentality. Ah, it's the World Series. I couldn't let down my team. Like, get the F out of here, man. And I know this is very difficult to comprehend, but, like, the World Series is awesome. Fatherhood is way more important. Yeah. And if you don't get that, I can't help you. Like, in any way, I can't help you. If you don't understand why even the World Series, the World effing Series, is not as important as Fatherhood, it's hopeless. The most important thing you'll ever do. Uh, non sports stuff. All
0: right. NBC La Brea at 8. That's a night show starring Jimmy Fallon featuring Kamai Nanjiani, Fred Armisen, and musician it's Lucas.
1: Ca- Camille Nanjiani. Camille
0: Nanjiani. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. Maybe I just shouldn't put that oh, yeah. on there. Oh, I know. I mean, it's, Camille, it's, 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 I've never heard of him. What do you mean you haven't heard of him? Camille Nanjiani. I have no idea oh, who he's, that is. Oh, he's
1: quite famous. Uh, uh, did you ever see um, Stuber with Dave Batista? No. Oh, Camille Nanjiani's been in a lot of things, bro. Yeah.
0: Well, Camille Nanjiani, I, I'm i usually really good with names. and That's the name I'm not good with. Uh, Fred Armisen. I, by the way, i
1: actually not. It might be Camille, not Johnny. Now that I think about it more. But um, anyway, uh, you—if you saw the guy, it was the big sick. Was one of them. If you saw him, you know exactly. I pr- who I'd it was. probably
0: know his face. Uh, and the musician is uh, Lucy Dacus. Is that? Oh, how you, and he was—he was on um, uh, was Silicon Valley. Never seen that either. Uh, all right, all right. <laughs> on ABC, Jimmy Kimmel. What do you watch? <laughs> Sports. Uh, <laughs> on ABC, Jimmy Kimmel Live featuring Tiger and Matthew Stafford. We just started watching Ted last. We just finished season that's one a, last. That's night. a good thing to watch. It's a good one. Uh, on CBS, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert featuring Michael C. Hall and Michael Eric Dyson. Masson Two: American Ninja Warrior at eight o'clock. And Netflix. That's, that's not new.
1: They don't run new that, episodes. That, that, that
0: one's a new one. It said new.
1: On Mass in two, they don't run new episodes of Matt It American said new. Ninja. It's that might be new on Masson. It might be the first time that Masson's aired it, but they don't. First run episodes of American Ninja Warrior go on NBC. That, okay,
0: fair <laughs> yeah, enough, yeah. fair enough. And then on Netflix today premiering is Camp Confidential: America's Secret Nazis. Oh, all right. So I
1: don't know what that is, but it sounds interesting. Sounds interesting. Um, John from Little Rock is brutal trying to watch the World Series. Games are way too slow and long. It's hard to be inv- interested in these teams. I I, I hear you, um, especially on the game length thing. I don't know what I I, I don't know how they fix it. A lot of people brought up you had to start the games early. I I hear you. You are of course completely ignoring that there is another coast to the country. And like I I get that we are conditioned to the East Coast is the only coast that matters. But like they have to think about that too. And starting a game at three o'clock in San Francisco is not something that they want to do on a Tuesday. So I don't. I just don't have the answer. I don't have the answer. Uh, for how to do deal with the game times. It is difficult. They have been extremely long baseball games during the World Series. You're not wrong about that. All right, thanks today to uh, Jonas Schaefer. Thanks also to Pete Gilbert as well as to Ron Johnson. We'll get all that up in the Greatest Hits section of the
0: Archives. tab at
1: glenclarkradio.com. Mark Turgeon will join us tomorrow, Maryland basketball coach. Uh, they have an exhibition on Friday night, and then they open the season next Tuesday. Also, speaking of Maryland, Maryland wide, re- wide receiver Carlos Carrier is going to join us tomorrow. He had a huge day in their win over Indiana on Saturday, and might be a a, a quite the find for this team moving forward as they got to play without Dante Demas and Jay Sean Jones and need to figure out how they're going to beat some of these at least they need to win at least one more game. And it would be really nice if they could win maybe this Saturday against Penn State. That would just be really pleasant. They beat him last year. All right, uh, thanks everybody, Pressbox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including CCBC, Glory Days Grill, Window Nation, Royal Farms, Chesapeake Employers Insurance, ExxonMobil, KS Automotive, M- the Maryland Lottery, Great Eights Memorabilia, Sports and Social MD, the Baltimore Ravens, the Maryland Department of Transportation, Underdog Fantasy Football, your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Paul Valley. Follow him on Twitter at Paul Valley the Third. Follow us at Glen Clark Radio on Twitter and Instagram. Have a great Tuesday night uh go yeah i'm not i don't care you you'd say go braves i get go braves yeah i'm not i mean i'm more indifferent than that in fact it gets us another baseball game tomorrow night so
0: honestly it's go astros because i want a game seven
1: yeah i I do like game seven i do care for that um so yeah I'm, i'm i'm more on that i'm more in that camp than anything else duke sucks ohio state sucks too